Hi, this is Martin Cove. A lot of you know me as the sensei and the karate kid. You better show up at Monster Mania this weekend, and you're listening to the Below the Belt show. And if you don't listen hard, there's no mercy. The Below the Belt show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. Guys, we have an incredible show from top to bottom, as we do always, guys, here on BTB. And let's go ahead and introduce this amazing panel that we've assembled for you this evening, starting with actor extraordinaire. You can see him in the upcoming web series, Turf Valley. He's also appeared in The Good Lord Bird on Showtime and Wonder Woman 1984. He is Vinnie Mac, Vince Eisenson. What's up? <laughs> Vince, good to have you back on BTB. This is your third time the charm, right? Third time. Good to be back and not in a motel room in Pittsburgh this time. Right. Yes, I'm just in my <laughs> loft in New York City. <laughs> up here, up here, supposedly wow. at least. Um, nice. All right, so we've got to introduce here on Below the Belt show. Uh, he is um, an amazing journalist that I've had the pleasure of running into at many events in Washington, D.C., um, including the Creative Coalition, head of the White House Correspondence Dinner, Awesome Con, many different Comic Cons in D.C. Um, he is definitely on the scene. He is Dean Rogers of the Rogers Review. This is his first time on Below the Belt show. I'm not sure why I haven't had him on earlier. I believe he was supposed to be on the BTB 2.0 version at our studio, but uh, we had to reschedule. Nonetheless, better late than never. Good to have you on BTB, Dean. Well, it's good to have you here from the Chesapeake to the Potomac and all over the DMV. It's nice to see everyone here on BTB. Like <laughs> right. Dude, it's interesting because you actually asked me, is it PG here on Below the Belt Show? Well, with a name like Below the Belt Show. <laughs> Good point. I did not you are actually that free now. to drop whatever colorful language you like to on Below the Belt Show. So feel I free was told to... it was NC-17. So. Or NC-17. It's actually oh, quite closer wow. to NC-17, yeah. I mean, we've had a few porn stars on the show, so I guess... <laughs> <laughs> but, but, <laughs> Dina, let's talk about some of these cool events because we, we kind of you and I have kind of rubbed elbows with some of uh, Hollywood elite. Um, it seems like oh, a lot of these events, um, including we got to give a shout out to the Creative Coalition because they yes. put together a classy event 
ahead of the White House mm -hmm. Correspondents' Dinner every year. And sadly, in 2020, we had no White House Correspondents' Dinner, so they actually canceled the um, nope. yeah they canceled the uh, the Creative Coalition pre White House Correspondents' Dinner event. But yeah, we got to attend that. Um, I saw you mm -hmm. at Awesome Con uh, this year, yep. which is good to see the Comic Cons back. Oh uh, yes, absolutely. Especially since um, that weekend will be the craziest weekend of my life because I attended three different cons. Friday was the <laughs> Mid-Atlantic Nostalgia Con. Saturday yeah. was this brand new convention called Stacey Unity. And wow. Sunday was Awesome Con. So I probably lost a little bit of sleep each night. <laughs> you, you triple dipped on your cons. And it was good to actually see the cons back because cons oh, yeah. haven't been around since, you know, they abruptly came to a halt in March of 2020. So it was good to yeah. see not one, not two, but three, uh, you know, cons in, in the area. And one I wasn't even aware of. One is a uh, Star Trek uh, Orville um, type of mm -hmm. con, which you got to attend and meet a lot of uh, yes. great talents there. And the third one was? It was the Mid-Atlantic Nostalgia Con. They've been around for 16 years. It's held at the Hunt Valley Inn, the famous Hunt Valley Inn, where every convention known in demand right. in Baltimore is held at. That is, and, and, and it has some great stars. Yes, and the Nostalgia Con's one of them. And another big one, if you heard the opening yeah. promo, was Martin Cove, who has been attendance at, mm -hmm. in attendance at the Monster Mania. Myself, Chachi McFly, Mike General Azad, were in attendance at Monster Mania this past weekend. So at the end of the program... Mm. I have a special on-location interview, which was great to do these on-location interviews with actor, now producer, and director Grant Kramer, best known for his work on um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Um, he was actually mm -hmm. in the recent uh, Willy Wonderland's uh, film uh, with Nicolas Cage, um, and uh, he also produced The War of Grandpa with Rob De Niro, uh, Bobby, Bobby De Niro. Uh, oh, man. So, so not just not give me a flashback I, just now. Yeah. So not only did I talk to Grant Kramer, uh, I also talked to Suzanne Snyder, who was the co-star of Grant in Killer Clowns Battle Space. Did a little uh, interview in tandem at Monster Mania, which is pretty awesome. That's going to be at the end of the program. And tonight's special guest, guys, we have um, – wow. Uh, not, not too often we do documentaries, but this one really resonated uh, – with me, especially after I saw it. It's called Tougher Than a Tank. Um, Casey Affleck, the lesser-known Affleck brother, <laughs> actually <laughs> of this film, tried to get Casey on, but nonetheless, we got the director, Tim O'Donnell. Um, he's also known for Life Without Basketball and Not a War Story documentaries. Uh, he co-directed this documentary with John Mercer. Wow, what a powerful documentary. Really, really hits... The emotions and of course with the upcoming veterans day it was good to um do mm -hmm. something in, along this um this theme of of our military so um um later in the program we welcome tim o'donnell director of this documentary tougher than a tank which um dean i know you got to check out myself vince maybe yeah i did yeah i loved it i loved it wow okay very yeah cool. we saw it last night and uh yeah i have a lot of questions for tim actually Awesome. I can't wait. Well, yeah. I can't wait to hear him. Yeah, that's great. So we're going to save all of that for a little, a little later in the program. Um, but um, we talked a little bit about Dean. Dean, uh, really quickly, um, where can we yeah. find everything Dean Rogers? Well, um, the main site.
website is the Rogers Review, review spelled R-E-V-U-E.com. It is the same name on our Facebook, Instagram, our Twitter, and we also have a YouTube channel, which will be adding some new videos coming up, including oh, some of the interviews from Station Unity and Midland Con and Awesome oh, Con. Wow. So there are a lot of interviews coming up. I still can't believe just a few days ago we got to cover the Tony Awards for the first Ooh. time in 12 years. Holy smokes, the Tony Awards. Is that, that's amazing that you mentioned the Tony Awards because I finally got to check out the opening of Broadway in New York City two weeks ago, yeah. two weekends ago, and it was just so, so happy to be back, uh, you know, amongst that, uh, mm-hmm. that, that scene because Broadway is just, of course, Vince, as an actor, of course, you know, the importance of Broadway is um, for, for any actor um, um, because it really honestly starts with theater. I mean, film and television, obviously, that's a co- completely different animal, but theater, I mean, there are no retakes. There are no that's green right. screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. There are no. That's where it all camera, began. Camera, you know. That's right. Uh, it, you you got to get everything out and perfect when you deliver um, deliver your lines when you do a theater performance or a musical performance for that matter. So, um, but uh, in any case, wow, the Rogers Review is where to check out everything with Dean. Uh, Vince, you've been busy as an actor. Um, any upcoming things that you can promote or talk about real quick? Oh, man. I I want to say I got some irons in the fire, but nothing Good. I can really uh, promote yet. Um, and, you know, I've been down for the count for a couple weeks, so <laughs> I've been out of commission. I don't can even you mind. allude to what it is? Or I, rather not. Not. I don't even mind. Uh, good old breakthrough COVID right over here, baby. I, I was, I'm fully vaxxed, but I still got it. And, uh, See, that's a- be careful out there, people. You can get it. Wow. Even that's if you're crazy, careful but... and vaxxed, oh. yeah. So so a breakthrough case, you are double vaxxed already. Despite mm-hmm. that, you uh, tested positive. You had milder symptoms, correct? Pretty mild symptoms. Yeah, I mean, okay. I had to stay home anyway, but flu-like right. symptoms, nothing too bad. And I've since nothing tested negative, so you can hire me if anyone's listening to this. I'm available for work. I have tested negative. Okay, good. That's a very <laughs> important thing. Yeah. And yeah, and it's the thing, you know, you never know how it different it would have affected you had you not been vaxxed, right, Vince? Oh, totally. do you feel do you feel it would have been a different result had you had you not been vaxxed? You know, it's hard to know, but I think it would have. You know, yeah. I, I recovered very quickly. I was out for a couple days at the most, and I'm I'm pretty much back to normal. Back to normal now, but if I hadn't been vaxxed, God knows. Okay, so I'm you kind can of a get... wuss. So <laughs> I might have been on a ventilator by now. Oh, God. God forbid. Man. Wow. But, but now it is safe to get in a cab with Gal Gadot. If yes. Gal, <laughs> you can get in a cab with me anytime. <laughs> nice. No mask needed. Yeah. Oh, man. That, that's, just, uh, that's just an amazing role, man. I got to admit. So, all right. Well, let's talk about everything. <laughs> In the world of entertainment, uh, with that, we have a theme to go with it. It is time for the Hollywood Report. That's hot. That's bananas. That's off the chain. That's right, from Waldorf, Maryland. That's good Charlotte. They sold, they sold out to Hollywood royalty, of course. One of them married Cameron Diaz. The other one married Nicole Richie. But that's neither, neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> those guys are something else, man. But they're good guys. I've hung out with them both. I partied with, uh, with uh, Benji at the Playboy Mansion um, 
few years back, and it was pretty epic, I must say. Nonetheless, yeah. they don't still, here. do they nice. still perform? They still perform. Good Charlotte. I, I think it's been a minute since they've toured, but okay. um, yeah, they, they've. Uh, I think they've been staying busy um, being dads now. I think both of them are dads now. Oh, so, all right. Yeah. So something to. Uh, yeah, as as you know, Vince, as a, being a dad is very uh, time consuming. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll start with mm-hmm. movies, guys. So, uh, so James Bond is finally returning to the big screen. Um, opening weekend is this weekend, guys. Um, no Time to Die, the latest entry in the British uh, spy series, uh, um, supposedly uh, will uh, take over the box office, but it's got some stiff competition with Venom. Venom mm-hmm. also being released as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be... Um, well, now that I mentioned now, now, now that I, I can actually correct myself, uh, uh, no time to die actually no time to die actually is released on October eighth, so it's not going to go head to head with Venom for the opening weekend. However, yeah. um, it ex- uh, it's expected to generate at least ninety million um, over this upcoming weekend because it's in international markets, not here mm-hmm. in the U.S., mm-hmm. but is in inter- international markets this weekend. Um, including japan mexico spain it's interesting how some other countries get to see the big movies before the united states does i think it's kind of in, uh interesting yeah, there's, some, yeah, there's some theory about like that can prevent piracy if you just release it overseas first really i don't, I don't really know if that checks out i feel like oh that's yeah. an interesting theory on that apparently that's part of it yeah wow okay i didn't even know about that but uh overall um reviews have been positive uh, very positive reviews, um, and they they're saying it's worth the wait because this is what the big this was the big film that was affected by the pandemic because it was ready to mm-hmm. drop in in 2020. So oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, because the pandemic got pushed, um, and of course they had the red carpet premiere in London, um, mm-hmm. which makes sense. I mean, you know, it 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 is James Bond and it is Daniel Craig. Um, it was at London's Royal Albert Hall um yesterday actually so um you weren't there come on al i know right overseas i played played covid i I wish we we wish we were there especially since um michelle yo she posted a picture of her and judith dench i almost like you oh my goodness i wish i was a flyer on that wall and when that happened (laughs) that must have been a lot yeah and for those who don't know that this is the 25th James Bond movie, 25. Wow. Mm. This is the 25th Ooh. film. And this also, if you didn't know, Daniel Craig's final film as mm-hmm. James Bond, if you did not know. Um, they do. They haven't even started entertaining a replacement yet. Basically, they want kind of, they want uh, Daniel Craig to kind of celebrate his final um, James Bond film and not even think about it that's what they're saying at all they just they want daniel to have a celebration next year they'll start thinking about the future so i mean i know there was earlier early buzz that idris elba could be the next bond you know the mm-hmm. first black bond if they wanted to go that route but uh no they're still i guess deciding on what they want to do with that so um they're waiting to see how much venom 2 makes before they offer it to tom hardy i think that's tom hardy you think tom hardy would be a good bond he's what been rumored think? yeah he's been yeah. he henry yeah, Cowell, been. And, and idris i know idris says he's out of the running but those three were kind of the tops that i heard yeah i don't and know you should stick with a british actor 
Yeah. That's how it was written. I mean, it is written. It's a, he's a pretty British guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it, mm-hmm. it makes sense. It makes sense for them not to go. Although they did cast Kristen Stewart as uh, Princess Diana in the. Oh Lord. Oh, so, Lord. Yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> which apparently she's getting rave reviews, standing ovations at uh, at the uh, was it the Venice Film Festival or was it Cannes, whichever major foot festival was overseas. Um. So you never know, you know. So they, they hey. could they could cast an a, an American actor to play British. I don't know. I, I don't think there's been much success uh, from Americans playing Brits, but there's been a lot of Brits no. playing Americans. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Tons of them. Tons of them. Yeah, and they do it well. They can yeah. do the American accent well, but it comes to the Americans doing the Brits. It doesn't really work the other way around. So. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see what else is coming out in theaters. Clifford the Big Red Dog, which I actually did some background work on. Me too. No did kidding. You really? Oh, cool. I went up to Brooklyn for Clifford. Yes, yeah. Me too. All right. So November tenth uh, okay. will be uh, a simultaneous release in theaters and pa- Paramount Plus um, for I guess I guess I'm guessing their premium. Um, uh, so uh, yeah, that should be uh, pretty cool. Um, all right, so what else can we see upcoming in film? Well, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch has a movie called The Electrical Life of Lewis Wayne. Okay. Yeah. Um, very <clears throat> long title, but it's a uh, tongue-in-cheek biographical film that tells the story of British artist Lewis Wayne, who rose to fame for his countless paintings of cats, of all things. <laughs> okay. Um, that's an interesting one. Um, it's a biopic of a cat artist, uh, someone that painted cats. So, um, but that's um, yeah. Um, look for that film coming up. Um, uh, and that's October twenty second. So look out for that one. Um, okay. Um, let's see. But also on October twenty second, we have yes. to mention yes. for those people, Dune is coming October twenty second. Oh, 22nd. that's right. Yes. Holy smokes. Yes. And we have talked about doing countless times in the show, but I am really looking forward to it. Um, the director urges you to see this film in the theater, despite it being on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. I got to admit, if, if it drops on HBO Max, I am less likely to go to the theater and watch it, quite frankly, even though they do say to watch it. Like, I mean, Shang-Chi, for instance, did not drop on Disney Plus, and it's still the number one movie in America. Um, yep. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree. Dude. I mean, I know Denis Villeneuve would like me to spend 16 bucks and see it at the IMAX, but I'm sorry, buddy. If it's on my HBO Max, I'm watching it here. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I'm really looking forward to it, Dean. I'm glad you mentioned that one, man. Yeah. So yes, yeah. Shang Chi still pulling um, box office uh, numbers. Um, should break the 200 million barrier in domestic ticket sales. Um, mm. become the first movie since 2020's Bad Boys for Life to do so. Um, so mm. Yeah, pretty crazy news. Second place, Dear Evan Hansen, mm. um, which was yep. the Broadway hit, uh, which stars Ben Platt, which I mistakenly mistaked him for Ben Foster last week. I apologize for that <laughs> one. But got a lot of heat for that. Oops. I get the two Bens mixed up. Uh, that's the number two movie. <laughs> three guys, top of the box office, number three. Really? That came out forever ago. Yeah, still. still Oh, my gosh. Mm. Followed by Candyman and Cry Macho. That's rounding at the top five. Wow. um, All right, so we have films in production. So we have in production, we have the Super Mario Brothers animated movie. Um, 
And mm-hmm. I mentioned this on the show before. You're having an animated movie with an ama- with a with a major iconic um, video game like Mario Brothers. Do you need the A-list actors to sell your movie? I just don't think they need to do this. But nonetheless, here are the voice actors that they cast: uh, Chris Pratt and Charlie Day as Mario and Luigi. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy, who I love, uh, she's going to be playing the princess. Uh, mm-hmm. Keegan Michael Key, Jack Black, Seth Rogen, Fred Armisen, Kevin Michael Richardson, who is actually a great voice actor. Sebastian. Yes, he is. Uh, yeah, Manacalco and cameos um, throughout the film. Um, so yes, this will be an animated film, an animated film, um, which uh, will drop in December of 2022. Um, mm-hmm. But again, you know, I mean, I guess Chris Pat, you know, he kind of proven his his ability as a voice actor and onward if anyone checked that out on disney plus which is mm-hmm. a really fun film um i just think you know you can you can put a b-list c-list actor in a voice uh for mario and luigi and still kill the box office i don't think you need because you're not actually seeing these a-list actors on screen you're you're just hearing exactly. their voice i just yeah. don't know why they just yeah it's a lot them. i mean i'm yeah. friends with a lot of voice actors i'm sure you yeah. you guys are too on facebook yeah. they mm-hmm. were of course very upset but Right. This is how they could be upset about any animated movie. This always happens. I mean, this one especially, I guess there are already people who do these voices. Right. But generally, you never need A-list actors. I mean. No, absolutely not. It's yeah. just maybe to I get parents there. Yeah, I agree with me. Yeah, I, I think agree. the movie is going to sell itself. Now, if you're dealing with a property that's not very familiar, mm-hmm. like maybe, maybe Onward was, was you know, were new characters. Okay, maybe you have to put Tom Holland in. And Chris mm-hmm. Pratt, but everybody knows Super Mario Brothers, you know, sounds right. I don't know, we'll have to right. see. Um, <clears throat> but here's a cool prequel we talked about on the show before is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Just, just added uh, additional cast members, as you know, Timothy Chalamet will be playing uh, young Charlie, um, which would be pretty cool. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, he's young Wonka. Sorry, not young Charlie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say he's too old for it to be yeah. a young Charlie. <laughs> right, because Charlie was already young in the in the, That's right. <laughs> the movie. We all we all saw. Love. Young Grandpa uh, <laughs> Joe. There you go. Yeah, there you go. But no, there yeah, we go. Yes, yes. I said corrected. Young Willie Wonka. And if you think about it, you know he's playing a younger version of Gene Wilder, which I can see that. You know, that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, they just mm-hmm. added Olivia Coleman from The Crown to the cast. Yeah. Ooh, right. Sally Hawkins and Rowan Atkinson. So uh, now that that I'm excited about. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. So those are three great actors right there uh, for the prequel. And I think this is a good. See, this is not this is not a re- Hollywood reboot just trying to get money. This is a prequel. Um, and um, you know, it, it's nice. It's nice to see kind of like the origin of Willy Wonka this way. So mm. I think it's kind of a cool thing to see. We're going to see a sequel of Gladiator eventually. So Ridley Scott said that the script for his long-awaited follow-up to the Russell Crowe film that we all loved in 2000, that we all hit the gym really hard to try to get those abs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, nonetheless, he said he the script will be ready to go soon, although he's got two big films. He's also working on um, The Last Duel. And of course, um, the other big film is House of Gucci. So he's got a lot. He's got a lot going on right now. So. Did, am I remembering? Didn't Maximus die at the end of Gladiator? So how are they gonna have a sequel, right? I mean, obviously yeah, Russell Crowe is not in fighting shape anymore, anyway. 
Right. But, uh, I mean, have you no. seen the, that one movie? <laughs> Unhinged, <laughs> movie yeah. Where he had road rage. He definitely yeah. wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be so training that, Tim- Timothy Chalamet in this one. Yes. Storyline-wise, you're <laughs> right. So, um, well, basically, it's going to follow Lucius, the son of Connie Nielsen's Lucilla and nephew of, of Joaquin Phoenix's power-hungry, immoral Commodus. Oh, okay. Mm. okay. That's the storyline. Um, so there you go. So now I, I guess then that that being said, it might make sense. What else we got? We have Salem's Lot. This is a Stephen King adaptation uh, starring Pelo Asbeck. I'm probably mispronouncing his name, but he was Eon Greyjoy in Game of Thrones. You're on Greyjoy. Sorry. Um, so this is based on, again, Stephen King's best selling novel. It's a horror thriller. Um Basically, a man returns to his childhood home of Jerusalem's lot in search of inspiration for his next book, only to discover his hometown is being preyed upon by a vampire, leading him to band together a ragtag group that will fight the evil presence. So um, that's slated for a September 22 release. Um, Interestingly enough, John Cena, we've talked about John Cena before on BTV, as you know, he's Peacemaker and Suicide Squad. And he does comedy really well. Looks like he's tackling on um, a drama, a political thriller, which talk about expanding your acting chops. He'll be working with mm-hmm. Kathy Bates in a movie called The Independent. Also stars Brian Cox, Succession, and Jodie yep. Turner-Smith. John Cena, WWE superstar, <laughs> is in a serious mm-hmm. political thriller with Kathy Bates, Brian Cox. <laughs> it's just like It just blows my mind. This guy was just... He's like, you know, he's a wrestler. <laughs> he's in the yeah. I, mean, I, think it's all, I think it's cool. Like, but you know, if you look at like, you know, Rock does strictly action films. Like, even The Rock, I don't think has done like a serious political thriller, has he? I mean, no. this is like, I mean, John, John uh, Cena is kind of. I mean, Pain and, Pain and Gain was the closest to a serious role, but even then, he's, yeah. play, he's playing a weightlifter. Like, come on, right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So. Kudos to John Cena, man. He might be, uh, yeah, he might be working his way up to uh, Dwayne Johnson status. You know, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. There's an upcoming action thriller called Banshee with Jamie King, Antonio Banderas, Tommy Flanagan, and Catherine Davis. Follows a freelance assassin codenamed Banshee, hence the title of the film who's am- ambushed by Anthony Green, played by Flanagan, a mercenary who c- killed her father and who is now seeking to collect a bounty on Banderas, um, K- uh, Kayla, played by Banderas, her former black ops mentor. Okay. Sounds like a pretty powerful, heavy film right there. Um, uh, what else we got? We got some romantic comedies in production. We got Billy Eichner's upcoming comedy bros um and interesting enough billy Eichner decided that he wanted all lgbt actors to to be in his film even though they're straight characters Mm. um and he wanted to Mm. the reason why he wanted to do that he wanted uh to expand diversity of lgbt representatives on screen um I actually and, submitted uh, for that, but you know, hey, it's okay. Maybe because you're it's straight. Okay. That's he, he could tell from my headshot. That guy is too straight for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, oh. I love it. Uh, let's mm-hmm. see. And Peter Farrelly, um, he's a great director for Green Book and 
course, the Farrelly Brothers, Dumb and Dumber. Who did? I mean, that's like one of my favorite comedies. Uh, he's got a next feature called Super in Love. It's a comedy feature, original script, uh, which is refreshing to hear. Original script. <laughs> now, this, hasn't his beer run movie? That's been like in production forever. The greatest. It's called like the greatest beer I've run heard, ever. Yes. So, yeah. so yes, that's right. Farrelly's also currently work on the greatest beer run ever, which is based on a true story about a man in 1967 who attempts to bring beer to his childhood buddies while they're fighting overseas in Vietnam. That's right. Wow. So, okay. so I guess he's in work. Um, I guess I'm guessing that they're in post production for that. Yeah. And he's getting ready for his next feature. So, very cool. Um. And um, the New York uh, Film Festival uh, was uh, taking place um, last week over the weekend, and mm-hmm. Paul Verhoeven's Bendetta was greeted by a small group of protesters. It's a biopic drama uh, uh, starring Virginia Afiro, tells the story of a 17th century nun who falls in love with another nun, and apparently the protesters were against that theme. Um, they're from the American Society for the Defense of Tradition and Family uh, and did not have, uh, they, they called it blasphemous and, uh, you know, as you can imagine. I'm sure they're the same people that protested uh, Cool Jesus Thumbs Up in uh, the Dogma movie, but nonetheless. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, no boinking nuns. No boinking no nuns. Boink. No, that's right. You can imagine the chance. Yeah, and that's called Buddy. I remember Buddy Jesus. I mean, how Buddy Jesus buddy got. Jesus. But you know, it, it's a positive symbol of Jesus with his thumb. You know, doing a doing a like a wink and a thumbs up. You know, it's like you know, yeah. some of those some of those groups didn't like that one either. But nonetheless, um, mm. so we had Netflix. Can you believe there are movies going straight to Netflix, skipping the theaters? Um, of course, the uh, Enola Holmes movie is getting a sequel. Helena Bonham Carter mm. will rejoin um, Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that that film was certainly deserving of a sequel. Um, so that should be pretty cool. Also, uh, there is a Netflix film called Reptile. And interesting enough, it has nothing to do with reptiles, I guess. Um, but basically, it stars Alicia Silverstone, Michael Pitt. Benicio del Toro and Justin Timberlake and centers on a hardened detective played by del Toro who, after the brutal murder of a young real estate agent attempts to uncover the truth in a case where nothing is as it seems. And by doing so dismantles the illusions in his own life. Um, and I still don't know why it's called Reptile, but I guess we're going to have to wait and find out. I've read Well, I auditioned for it. I'm not going to say that about every movie you name, but I did audition for you, that one. You, look at you. You auditioned <laughs> for every movie I'm talking about. But I don't know why it's called Reptile either. I, I didn't get that from the sides. So Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Can you, can you mention which character you auditioned for? It was uh, uh, Forensic Tech, and we were just looking at a dead body. It was definitely a scene with Benicio, so it would have been cool to book it. Oh, it would have been so dope. Alas. Oh, Alas, nice. right? Yeah. We all mm-hmm. have those auditions that we would kill to book, you know? Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know, uh, Dean, you dabbled in some acting, right? Yeah, in fact, um, speaking of which, and I got to promote this before they kill me, um, two <laughs> more days, October 1st, Starship Arrogate, the... Star Trek fan film I've been involved with for oh, nine cool. incredible years. We are finally 
coming to an end with our final episode of releasing Homecoming. It's okay. going to be released on YouTube. And it was one of the final projects that had the great late Stan Lee oh, outside wow. of his Marvel Universe. So outside it's bitter. Wow. Yep, so it's bittersweet that we have him in our final episode, but it's so much fun. And I can't believe it's been five years since we shot the thing, but we're finally put it out to the world. And then speaking of acting, we're actually going to be starting the new chapter of Farragut called Farragut Forward, which we're starting to Gary have a script and hopefully build some sets. And hopefully in about a year, we start filming. Wow. But where can we see this uh, this film uh, with Stanley? I believe it's going to be on YouTube. I'll have to double check the details, but it was worthwhile. That's our project. Star Trek fan film is that's amazing well when yeah. you get the details yeah. we got to promote so just let me know when you when you get those you got it that info um all right we got more on netflix we have comedies coming in netflix this is interesting so julia louis dreyfus is joining jonah hill and eddie murphy for an untitled comedy that mm. kenya barris will direct for netflix and uh plot details are being kept secret but um, it's about an examination of modern love and family dynamics and how clashing culture, societal expectation and generational differences shape and affect relationships. So um, Julie Louis-Dreyfus will play Jonah Hill's mother. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Mm, okay. There. I don't know if I can see that, but okay. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, right? I'm still trying to pick it, picture it right now in my head. <laughs> I don't know, but she's brilliant. I got to work with Julia for four years as one of her recurring VP staffers, um, and that was a nice. joy. It was a joy to work nice. on. Nice, nice, awesome. Yeah. Um, let's see. Over on Netflix, we have um, a novel, best-selling novel called *The Last Mrs. Parish* about a twisted con artist. It's getting movie treatment in Netflix. They just landed the rights. However, casting has not been announced yet. So Vince, take uh, take note of the uh, cast. Of call I'm there. Uh, Orderly number seven. I, I got about it. it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there was a big Netflix event called Tudum, which is a Netflix fan event that just dropped a ton of Netflix content. Um, the big movie with The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, and your co-star Gal Gadot, ah, yes, and I Ryan know. Reynolds. Uh, mm-hmm. It's crazy to say that you star with Gal Gadot. Isn't it amazing <laughs> to say that, first of all? It's, it's amazing so when you say it, yeah. Yeah, Keep okay. It. Well, oh, anyways, your yeah. co-star in Wonder Woman, Vince, is it, <laughs> is it a huge... It's like Netflix's biggest movie called Red Notice, and I saw the trailer. The trailer is super dope. Pretty much showed Gal Gadot, like Wonder Woman, kicking everyone's ass, kicking... The Rock's ass, kicking Ryan Reynolds' ass, but uh, we get to see this one on November 12th. If you haven't seen the trailer, check it out. And I cannot wait to see this one. This trailer looks really amazing. It's Army of Thieves. It's a prequel to the Army of the Dead, Zack Snyder's um, a great film on Netflix. I thought it was great. I mean, you know, some people might not think it's great, but uh, yeah, this is all about. Um, um the um the character which who was the the locksmith master um and it's math matthias schweighoffer and his character's name is ludwig dieter 
So it's all about like Dieter. Um, but it, you know, in this prequel, the, the, the zombie apocalypse has already happened. So, um, but yeah, it's kind of cool to see that story because sadly everybody dies in army of the dead, except for one character. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry I can't believe I haven't seen, we talked about that at my first episode and I still haven't seen it. You don't have but... a chance to see it yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'll get it's to it. I'll get to it. It's worth a look to see how awkward digitally replacing Chris Delia with Tig Notaro in every scene. Yeah. Uh, you'll notice how awkward mm-hmm. you notice that Dean it just didn't match up very well but no they, they no. could you know all they could have done was just kept Krista Elia and then he's already the dude's already you know been canceled so for the sake Real, of the it's movie, so ridiculous it's yeah. like you're not I, mean, I you don't, don't know let's let's not undermine what he did now he did some horrible things but are you gonna Spend the extra money to make the film just give this film a lot of flaws with the digital replacement of an actor for another actor, you know? You have thousands of people mm-hmm. who worked on the movie. Some dude makes some whatever boneheaded decision. Yeah, don't promote him, but you already shot the movie. Don't make yeah. everyone pay for that. Right. Like going, right. you know, bending over backwards to show how and pandering know, correct yeah. you can be we know yeah. he did stupid shit it, it happened after you shot mm-hmm. it just move yeah. on yeah remember anyway. kevin spacey mm-hmm. getting in trouble they actually brought in christopher Plummer to reshoot yeah. all the scenes they went the extra measure mm-hmm. they didn't digitally yeah. replace them they just reshot everything dude you know <laughs> which ended up much better decision because it looks it looks a little bit you know um and also know. it looks seamless yeah. compared to seamless. just just yes. copying and pasting somebody into the scene. Yeah. You know how awkward that was? In fact, they had to make the aperture so low that, you know, it was a, like mm-hmm. the, 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 there was a, you know, a noticeable blur because of the, the, the aperture being so low in order for them yeah. to do that. So, all right. So we got Netflix uh, series uh, dropping trailers, Stranger Things. Guys, who's excited for Stranger, Stranger Things season four? Uh, big Stranger Yo. Things fan. Um, yes. Met pretty much all the cast. There are a lot of fun to party with at the People Magazine party. Um, was a really lot of fun, and the Netflix party, uh, not to mention. Uh, I hate you. <laughs> you got parties, man. What the hell. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. What can I say? Hey, this guy is like, you know, asking Gal Gadot to get her the, his cab. You know, <laughs> but I don't get to yeah, party. I never get invited to the parties. Yes, you do. With the good Lord Bird party. What? Okay, one. I've been to one party, but it wasn't yeah. Netflix. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's still. It was HBO. <laughs> uh, or showtime. no. Um, yeah, showtime. 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 <laughs> still, nonetheless. But uh, if you haven't seen it, they showed a uh, new character, Victor Creel, in the Stranger Things trailer, um, played by iconic actor, horror actor Robert Englund, yeah. who was actually at the mm, yeah. last weekend. Um, mm-hmm. And Creel has been imprisoned in a psychiatric hospital since the family was violently murdered in the 1950s. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it seems safe to say that the Upside Down has been haunting Hawkins far longer than anyone has realized. And I think adding Robert England, <laughs> you know, the king of horror, Freddie mm-hmm. from Nightmare on Elm Street is a good move. So that should be pretty cool. All right. Um, so Sandman was one of the comic books. It was DC's Vertigo line that I enjoyed as a kid reading. Um, and it was written by the genius Neil Gaiman. And um, 32 years after DC Comics published 
the first issue of Sandman. Uh, it's finally going to be on the small screen uh, in a series. I know they've been in the works for a live adaptation of this um, for so long. And if you're a fan of American Gods or Good Omens, um, then you'll probably love um, The Sandman, which uh, the trailer looked really dope. We got a first look at Tudum, the global virtual fan event, um, with Tom Sturge playing Morpheus, a.k.a. Dream. Um, very cool trailer. Did I, either of you get a chance to check it out? Not was, yet. No, I was, I'm not really, yet. Really, really cool. cool. Highly, highly recommend it if you get a chance to check it out. Cool. Also, the Netflix was busy um, promoting The Witcher uh, season mm. two mm-hmm. and its upcoming prequel limited series, The Witcher Blood Origin. So they also uh, threw out the trailer for season two as well as some footage of Witcher Blood Origins. So, um, yeah, mm. pretty exciting. So that is still on my queue list um, to watch. Has anyone uh, watched Witcher? No. I've seen the pilot. I've only seen one episode. Seen I, I liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked it, but no. you know, I, I just haven't. See, I'm a big it. Game of Thrones fan, so my expectations for fantasies are are pretty high up there. Would you say that it's definitely worth a look? Uh, does it compare to? Uh, I, I was intrigued enough by the pilot. I would keep watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Of course, I haven't finished Game of Thrones, so I'm yeah. the guy to ask. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So apparently, we had some fantasy catching up to do. Um, they also uh, dropped the trailer for season two of Bridgerton, which I have not seen yet. But again, for the ladies, <laughs> Regé Jean Page will not be in this second season. It's no. all about the new characters. Yeah, r- romance between Anthony Bridgerton, played by Jonathan Bailey, and Kate Sharma, played by Simone Ashley. So, um, yeah, haven't watched it yet, but check it out if you are trying to and um the crown they just announced will the next season will drop in november of 2022 mm. which means that it won't dominate the emmy category <laughs> every year when i see it when all the emmys i'm like oh, i gotta finally start this show and i still haven't started the damn show right. <laughs> but my wife says it's great so i'll check it out it point. might be worth a look man yeah. you know i mean it's getting all these mm-hmm. actors now we have to know what's serious acting and you know quality acting is, that's right i'm sure yeah. they want some americans to come over there and uh, yeah right play well, some like of those John parts Lithgow is like the one of the few americans on that cast that's true that's um, true mm-hmm. in his role okay Gene, do you watch have you watched the crown i've seen bits and pieces of the crown yeah he's one of the few american actors that played a brit convincingly Mm-hmm. Again, there's not many that have, you know. He's in that he's in that category of guys like Kelsey Grammer and David Hyde Pierce who almost yeah. sound British anyway, you know? They're so oh. like <laughs> That is true. Up, up that in the mid Atlantic, they basically sound British anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. So one of my favorite yeah. shows is Ozark. Oh man. Yes. It wasn't a trailer, but it was like basically the first few minutes of season four and a uh, little spoiler alert, but it was all about them washing off the blood and, and brains from themselves <laughs> after yeah i know she, yeah she yeah the woman's head got blown off and uh, um it was a complete wtf moment um it's a 90 second clip um but yeah check it out um they're back in mexico working with the drug cartel Ooh, man talk about a crazy epic show man 
Yeah, Either of you Ozark fans? Oh yeah, I love Ozark. Yeah. Love oh Ozark. my god. Yeah. Jesus my gosh. That 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 ooh, that scene when, when they blew that woman's head off was ridiculous. <laughs> just completely just <laughs> crazy guys. Uh let's see. A sneak peek uh for the final episodes of the hit drama, the global hit drama. Money Heist was also dropped. Haven't gone into that one yet, but what I have got into is Cobra Kai. Season four trailer just dropped on uh, mm-hmm. uh, at the Tudum event and um, December 31st, New Year's Eve, um, which is roughly, yeah, a year after season uh, three. So uh, not too long to wait for the next season. Um, nope. And New Year's Eve, you can spend your New Year's Eve if you're not going out uh, <laughs> watching Cobra <laughs> Kai. I love that. <laughs> But uh, you know, we got we so got a glimpse of uh, Martin Cove and his new, uh, I guess his new, me- oh, I guess one of his original mentors, um, Terry Silver. Um, of course, as you know, Ralph Macchio and Billy Zabka, which Johnny and Danny respectively, um, join forces and they uh, start their own dojo. So. Sure. Um, okay. Big fan, and if this show didn't go to Netflix, I don't think it would have been the big hit and got the Emmy nom that it did. So Netflix, and they do a good job of bringing attention to shows. I mean, look at Manifest. Manifest, mm-hmm. a show that got canceled on NBC. It got crazy viewing numbers on Netflix, and Netflix decided to save it for one final season. And yeah, that's it's crazy. Thing. I remember Netflix like do that for all they the shows. save shows. I remember yeah. when Waco. They do. Yeah. When when Waco hit on Netflix, it was. It was during the pandemic, but that move that had come out like years before the limited right. series. And now everybody's like, Waco, Waco. And it was great. But yeah, like nobody saw it because it was on, I don't know, Paramount Plus or Direct TV, yeah. some, something yeah, that no something. one gets. No one gets, and, right. And, and now mm-hmm. it got huge because of Netflix. Yep, exactly. Bow to Ted Sarandos. Yeah, <laughs> everybody has Netflix. <laughs> um, Emily in Paris, season two, a little bit of a guilty pleasure because I have to have a crush on Lily Collins. Um, they just uh, dropped the trailer <laughs> for that one. Um, and of course, I uh, got to hang out with her at the Tribeca Film Festival. Uh, she's a sweetheart. Nice. Yes. Um, what else did we see? Um, we also saw um, Sex Education, the third season. Um, we'll be returning. Um, trailer just dropped for that. Um, and um, a couple documentaries on Netflix. Colin in Black and White, which tells the story of Colin Kaepernick during his high school years growing up in Central California, um, as well as Tiger King season two. Can you believe we're going to get a second <laughs> oh season of Tiger King? Isn't that crazy? I'm like, I really they wonder did, how. They did Making of a Murderer season two, so why not try to why milk not? Tiger? Why, milk yeah, those why not? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as you know, he's all locked up. You know, he's locked up. He's locked up. Mm-hmm. But, and then uh, Baskin was on Dancing with the Stars, so I was like, yeah, we must have a sequel since people are yeah. moving on and moving up and moving right. down all those. Right. Three. <laughs> I'll watch it. I'm gonna watch it. I'll tell you right now. You're gonna watch it. So you watch. That was like one of the first um, pandemic binges. People, pandemic binges. Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah. Yes. Sweet oh, yeah. Gambit, and it was uh, Tiger King. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those were yeah. both of them. Yeah. Because when when the world when the world pretty much shut down, those first few months of of March and April, yeah, that's exactly what we saw. Um, yeah. It's crazy, man. But yeah, <laughs> Q 
curious and not much you can discern from the trailer but we'll have to see what happens all right over on disney plus huge news they just announced the release date of my favorite fandom star wars i know you're a star trek guy dean but i'm hey, a star I can wars do star wars too don't okay even though i'm a star trek but i do star wars okay, too. okay. Thank you. are you looking forward to the book of boba fett hell yeah <laughs> especially it says here's here's something you may not know um the young actor who played young Boba Fett, um, I've got guy's name. Oh yeah, Daniel he's, Logan. Yeah, he's in the sister series of Star Trek Continues. Oh cool. And he played a navigator, so he actually sat in my chair. So it's like, oh, I'm gonna get a picture if I ever see him at a convention. Yes. I say, hey, yes. you sat in my chair. So we have that navigator connection. So it's like, okay, well there you go. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. So this is exciting though. For you Boba Fett fans, because it is the book of Boba Fett. It's Tamara Morrison. As you know, the post credit scenes of The Mandalorian, we saw a glimpse of what happens as, as you, you saw. I mean, him and uh, uh, Boba Fett and uh, uh, Fennec Shan uh, pretty much went into Jabba's palace and just, uh, just slaughtered everyone. Except they let one Twi'lek go who was begging for mm-hmm. a life. Um, but uh, they slaughtered everybody in that. Uh, but, <laughs> but uh yeah so they return to tatooine they st- to stake a claim on the territory once ruled by java the hut syndicate and this will be produced by dave filoni so you know it's got to be good because you know dave filoni knows star wars um but yeah the poster just dropped but yes december 29th man it's like a christmas gift a little, little mm-hmm. uh, christmas a little late you get cobra kai and the book of boba fett dropping uh, at the end of the year so that's pretty exciting yeah um let's see um as you know we mentioned john cena as you know he's getting that peacemaker spinoff from uh suicide squad but james gunn actually explained out of all the characters why he wanted the peacemaker character to have um a series and basically um, he just found something interesting about Peacemaker, you know, he's because, well, he loved working with John Cena and he thought he had great acting gifts and comedy, uh, that wasn't fully utilized in the movie. And it's an interesting character that could be pertinent to today's world in terms of his sort of backwards way of looking at things. Um, so that, that kind of mm. makes sense there as far as the why maybe Idris Elba was too, uh, too busy to, to do a series maybe i don't know but, but yeah john cena's getting that series that's all on hbo max um also if you're a fan of love life it just dropped the trailer for season two of love life which again has nothing to do with the first well sort of but it's uh the first season was all about anna kendrick um and her character and this one um focuses on um a completely different character um and uh yeah it's it's a very anthology based show if you if you haven't seen it yet um also the flight attendant um season two is in production and um new casts have been announced for that show have you auditioned for flight attendant vince i i have not i've not (laughs) now i'm surprised they're getting a new cast other than Maybe maybe the the dead boyfriend, but <laughs> I, <would. laughs> uh, I hope they keep they're keeping her though, right? Yeah, I mean, they're Kelly Cuoco, but yeah. she's going to be joined by Mo McRae, Callie Hernandez, and JJ Saria. 
for for the second season. So so um, that's not an anthology series. So you're still gonna get Kaylee. I know you love Kaylee, right? Oh yeah, that's a fun one. That's a fun show. It's a fun show. Okay. Yeah. That's one. That's another one on the list. I did like her in Big Bang. Mm -hmm. Um. So HBO, not HBO Max, but we have the House of the Dragon, which is the Game of Thrones prequel. Um, they're just expanding their cast. So, um, I mean, a lot of these actors I haven't heard of. They're probably uh, British actors that have done some great work, but I've never heard of them. Ryan Core, Jefferson Hall, David Horovich, Graham McTavish, to name a few. Um, and a lot of the last names of these characters will sound familiar. So we have Jefferson Hall playing Lord Jason Lannister. So he is a... Uh, Hmm. You know, a relative of the Lannister family. And then um, we have uh, obviously some Targaryens in it as well. It is House of the Dragon. Um, uh, we also have uh, Gavin Spokes playing Lord Lionel Strong, Master of Laws to King Viserys. So King Viserys is obviously um a relative of the Viserys that we know on uh, Game of Thrones. So we're talking hundreds of years, uh, I think a couple hundred years prior to the events of Game of Thrones. Um, and on HBO, we got that new series with Pedro Pascal, who is the Mandalorian. It's called The Last of Us, based on the popular PlayStation game. They just dropped a couple uh, production stills and a production poster of of the show looks pretty awesome um wasn't really familiar with the game but of course you got pedro pascal and you know that uh you got a quality yeah quality he's, he's raking it in i for some reason i was oh, looking yes. at the list of like top 20 highest paid actors of all time on tv and his he's already on it for that part just Is for it? the first season just yeah. for that season of the last yeah. of us wow raking it in raking it <clears> in dude and uh, Game of Thrones, Bella Ramsey also joining the cast of that as well. She was the little bird uh, character, the little bear, little bird character in Game of Thrones. Also on HBO, we got Lily Rose Depp, Johnny Depp's daughter, will be starring in The Idol. It's a HBO drama series created by uh, the Euphoria producer Sam Levinson, and co-created also by The Weeknd. You know. Who's starring um, in it, I believe, right? Is The Weeknd actually starring I in it? I think he's starring in it, yeah, with he's Lily act- Rose Depp. Wow, okay. I didn't know he's actually going to be starring in it, but I know he co-created the... Well, basically, the logline is a female pop singer who starts a romance with a club owner who happens to be the leader of a secret cult in Los Angeles. And you are right, Vince. Weekend will also star in the show. Wow. So this is his first major mm-hmm. acting role, I guess, right? Yeah. He was in uh well, he was in Uncut Gems, but that was a pretty small part, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Wow, it's interesting seeing these uh artists, these singers and, and pop stars uh you know try their hand at acting. I thought Lady Gaga was an example of a phenomenal mm-hmm. um, you know, actress mm-hmm. ba- you know, based on her performances before. Um uh, let's see, over on Amazon, we have a movie called The Tender Bar that's going to drop on Amazon Studios. Um, this is George Clooney's um, d- directorial um, effort um, based on an adaptation, a memoir of the same name. And 
Ben Affleck stars with uh, Ty Sheridan and Christopher Lloyd of Back to the Future fame. Lily Rain. Mm-hmm. So it's got a uh, very uh, nice cast. Basically about a father's boy growing up in growing up in the glow of a bar where the bartender is the sharpest and most colorful of an assortment of quirky and demonstrative father figures. Wow. Okay. Um, But yeah, um, check that out on Amazon. Of course, one of my favorite shows on Amazon is The Boys. Anyone a Boys fan here? Um, Mm, Someday. 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 Okay, that's going to be on your list. (laughs) Dean, do you watch The Boys? Of course I do, oh man. Oh, my God. How amazing is The Boys? That was my pandemic um, binge. Because I, yeah. I heard so much about it. Chachi was, like, imploring me to watch it. So I finally sat down and watched two <laughs> seasons. And I, I'm i sorry. I cannot wait for season three. But they actually already greenlit the spinoff of The Boys, <laughs> um, which is centers around a college exclusively for the young adult superheroes. Uh, run by Vod in- International. So, um, oh. so yeah. So it's all about the young soups. Um, mm-hmm. So check I mean, that out. You can't go. You can't go wrong with Carl Urban in a in a series. You know, dude. That I man paid he, his dues, especially <laughs> when he was in Almost Human with Michael Ely, and yes. that got canceled. It's like, yes. please let him get another series. And then he never broke the rule when it came to playing Dread. Don't remove the freaking helmet. And he never does. I thank you. He's so brilliant. In of course, role. McCoy in Star Trek. McCoy in Star, McCoy Trek. Star Trek. And in his role as the butcher in The Boys. Phenomenal mm-hmm. actor. Um, yes. And uh, of course, uh, I was kind of intrigued. Uh, I saw the New York Comic Con lineup. We actually have Anthony Starr, who plays Homelander, Karen Fukuhara. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, my favorite, um, Air Moriarty, who plays Starlight. They're actually, and, and Jack Wade. Um, mm-hmm. They're all going to be. Who's Double Duty? Double Duty? He's, yeah, he's in The Boys, and he's in Star Trek Lower Decks. He plays Bad Boymer. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. See, there's another tie in for you on the Star Trek thing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, they're going to make an appearance at New York Comic Con. I might have to make a trip up to New York for that. Um, over on Paramount, this is the um, the network that's trying to get viewers. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will say I'm I've been waiting so long to to finally get it. I think I'm going to because Showtime just released a deal with like for three more dollars you can get Paramount Plus Paramount if you Plus already have Showtime. Showtime. Yeah, so I'm like, all right, I'm gonna bite the bullet. I think. Yeah, three bucks. And Dean, I know with all the Star Trek shows, Paramount mm-hmm. is is definitely a must for you. So. But they're doing oh, yeah, movie, absolutely. Yeah, they're doing a movie revival of Teen Wolf. And it's going to tie mm. into the Teen Wolf MTV series that uh, was actually a big success for MTV. One of the few scripted shows on MTV that was a big success. Um, but they're going to develop um, a film um, with uh, the original series creator, Jeff Davis. So he's going to mm. write, executive produce the film. So... Uh, Look out for that one. That should be pretty cool. Um, and you mentioned Showtime, uh, Vince. Patricia Arquette is set to star, direct, and executive produce a limited series called Love Canal. That sounds naughty. Uh, oh, damn. <laughs> I know. Okay. Just, <laughs> based on a documentary, The Canal, by Will Battersby. Um, and uh, it's about a group of blue-collar women 
who uh, came together in the late 1970s to fight for environmental justice for their community. Hmm. Um, the women became activists when they realized that 20,000 tons of deadly chemicals were buried beneath their neighborhood in Niagara Falls, New York. So they took on the chemical industry and the U.S. government and inspired the first major environmental rights legislation in the U.S. Okay. And I know you're excited about Orville Season 3, Dean. Of Over course. They finally, yep. and how long has it been since Orville has been on? It's been like a couple years, right? Yeah, it's been about two years because when I interviewed, oh my gosh, Penny Johnson, Gerald, yeah. and Jay Lee, and Peter Minkin, they were just like under a week. No, it was, it was about 11 days at the time. Wow. They just wrapped up season three. Wow. Yeah, that, this was, and I think this was uh, because of the pandemic, you know, production was like pushed. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. yes, we're finally going to see season three on mm-hmm. March 10th, 2022. So we still got a little while to wait, yep. but um, it will be on Hulu. It's moving from Fox to Hulu. Um, mm-hmm. And I have to borrow someone's password to watch it. Um, <laughs> I do have Fine, a you'll borrow mine. My <laughs> I, I can't sit here and condone piracy. Okay. Piracy and sharing are two different things. Sharing pirates. You're you're sharing pirates. That's what you are. You're you're pulling money out of my pocket. Uh, (laughs) All of our pockets. Well, if you're an actor, aren't Mm -hmm. you you stealing for yourself? (laughs) Oh, oh, good point. Good point. That is true. Yes. (laughs) I may or may not have used a password. I'm just. um, So. Uh, what else do we have on Hulu? So the creators of Modern Family are assembling an impressive cast for a follow-up um, to uh, the Emmy-winning comedy, but it's not really tied into Modern Family. But it's um, Leslie Bibb, who's now available because uh, Jupiter's Legacy is not getting a second season. Rachel mm-hmm. Bloom, Michael McKean, Krista Marie Yu, and explores what happens when Hulu reboots an early 2000s family sitcom and how it's the dysfunctional cast is forced back together and now must deal with the unresolved issues in today's fast-changing world. That's a pretty interesting concept. <laughs> Sounds interesting. I, I guess, yeah. yeah, why not? There, I, I just, mean, Michael McKean's here... been... <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm, I'm marveling at how many shows get greenlit. It's just like so much content. It, it but is this crazy. Could be good. Yeah, it could be crazy. Hey, Hulu's got to keep up with Netflix, man. They got to keep that shit up, you know. I mean, yeah, they're do. also doing their own framing Britney Spears doc, I and mean, Netflix and Hulu are doing similar documentaries just to catch the same audience, you know, which is kind of crazy. Um, let's see over an Apple. Not much on Apple, but they have a new show called Wool, which is a world-building drama based on Hugh Howery's dystopian novels, which, Dean, you might be familiar with that. It's kind of your wheelhouse, right? Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Rashida Jones, David Olayolowo, and I'm not pronouncing his name wrong. Or not. Oh, yellow. Or yellow. I have to... I have to pronounce and try that name three times when I it's, interview them. It's a, difficult, <laughs> it's a difficult one to pronounce, isn't it? Um, yes, they, it is. They just joined the cast of Apple TV's upcoming adaptation of this um, which actually looks pretty awesome. Um, 
I love dystopian stuff. Like Hunger Games, you know, that's all really cool stuff. So should be pretty cool. Um, over on CW, you you're probably well, actually there's another one for um, Apple TV I just found out recently. Yeah. Yeah, they ordered a brand new series called Amber Brown. It's by creator and actress Body Hunt. It is based on the best book selling series by Pollard Danzinger. And they just announced it yesterday. It's let's see. It's an unfiltered look at a girl finding her own voice through art and music in the wake of her parents' divorce. It will star Carson Rose, who is in The Rookie and Cousins for Life, as Amber Brown, and every kid who's going through what many children experience and making sense of her new family dynamic through sketches and a video diary. It features Sarah Drew from Grey's Anatomy, who plays her mother, and the ensemble cast includes Darren Brooks, uh, Liliana Anue. And they said it's hopefully coming out soon. But Amber Ooh. Brown ha- is a middle grade book series that's been published in 53 countries and over 10 million copies in print. Okay. Wow. So Apple TV, they gotta they gotta get those uh, subscribers. So they're they're trying to. I know they had that big Tom Hanks movie that looked really cool. We talked about last. Oh, well, trust me, they will. Especially since um, I'm going to hopefully be doing a press day in a few weeks for Dickinson, and it's their third and final season coming up. Do they have oh. a? Is this going to be uh, in New York, or is there a local uh, local press day? Um, I have a feeling it's going to be like all the press days for Apple TV in the last year. It's going to be a virtual one. Virtual one, okay. Gotcha. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. All right, over on CW, you probably uh, be excited about this one, Dean. It's a Babylon Five reboot. Oh yes. Are you? This is but yes. But I mean, it's good and it's bad. It's like. Okay. But then again, I think half of the cast has passed on since Babylon 5 ended. I know we just recently yeah. lost um, Mira Falan, who played the lens. So it's like, yeah. it's going to be hard to figure out who's going to be in this new cast and enjoy it the same way as the original B5 from 93 to 98. But I'm definitely right. excited. So this will be a complete reboot from the ground up reboots, what they're calling it. We'll be on CW. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is from the creator J. Michael Straczynski. Um, mm-hmm, yep. So yeah, um, so yeah, um, we'll have to check that out, see how that turns out there. Um, I know Vince doesn't watch Walking Dead, but Dean, are you are you a Walking Dead fan? From time to time, as, time especially time? since okay. um, from Mid Atlantic, I actually interviewed two of the zombies in my time. So it's nice. Like, I had to watch it so I know yeah. who they are. I know their work. And plus, Sonequa Martin-Green was in The Walking Dead yeah, before she, she transitioned was. to Discovery. So she yeah. is brilliant. <laughs> I love Sonequa Martin-Green. But, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, this is a very important episode because a lot of people are wondering how Negan and Maggie can coexist. And they're just kind of like – they kind of explored that, and they were talking about – you know, basically, if you remember, Negan took a baseball bat, played by Jeffrey D. Morgan, and killed Glenn, play, <laughs> um, yeah, who was Steve I'm Young. on season two. How can you do this to me? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Are we joking? Sorry. No, I'm seriously on season two, but I, like the rest of the world, knows that Glenn was killed by Negan. So. Okay, you do know, like, the rest I of the world. I know that, okay. yeah. Okay, so this is the this is the show that you're actually going to try to catch up on, even though I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying one. it. I'm in season two. It's going to take a while, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's actually a really good show. Yeah, so the, we we kind of get the, the the answers as to how they can forgive each other, you know, in this one, mm-hmm. and because you know Maggie, you know, after returning for this 
final season, it, uh, basically, you know, Negan was like, hey, you know, I was a leader of this group. You all went into one of our, you know, compounds and killed a bunch of men um, in their sleep. And if you have to look at it from their side, that he was kind of lo- looked as the good guy because really it was Rick's group that struck first, you know, um, during mm-hmm. that. And so that kind of explained that and how they pretty much took um, Gracie, the baby of one of the saviors, and they and Aaron is now raising that baby. So they kind of talked about that as well. Um, very powerful officer for them to have that conversation and and for them actually kind of have to put their difference aside to go to this um, – meridian uh compound where uh they have this new threat called the reapers and they're you know they have a bunch of food and supplies that the that the the group desperately needs to survive so uh we're gonna see what happens because basically it was all about negan teaching maggie the ways of the whispers now the whispers were a group of of really weird survivors that wore the skins of the dead on their face Hmm. and by doing so they're able to to kind of like walk with the dead because you know the dead won't attack you know a survivor if they're wearing the you know they smell the dead on their face you know so kind of a creepy group you'll you'll read of uh, uh you'll watch watch it in upcoming seasons uh, the whole whisper arc but i'm glad you're watching it my it's only really question right now and hopefully i assume this will be answered yeah, how the, the most unbelievable part when when the John Bernthal character realizes he's going to lose his girl because Rick came back from the dead, right. and there's <laughs> this smoking hot blonde woman, oh yeah, right there who's single, and Bernthal's being like mean to her. I'm like, dude, golden opportunity. Andrea or Andrea's sister is mm-hmm. it the one whose daughter I think is. I don't remember the character's name. It might be Andrea. She, smoking hot blonde woman. She's in the there's lead two cast. There's hot blonde women in the first two seasons. There's Let Andrea. There's her, and there's a younger sister, Amy. Yeah, maybe it's Amy. Amy is the younger sister Could of be. Andrea. Yeah. But it's like mm-hmm. Bernthal. You're in a Bernthal dystopian world to... where there's yes. a hot blonde chick and you're oblivious to that? Like, what and he's And he's strictly <laughs> all about Lori. Exactly. Right? And it's Rick's yeah. woman. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it ended up being kind of crazy, but, uh, so you're in that whole, um, farm storyline. Yeah. Carl just got shot. So Carl's still on the bed and the farmer, the, the country doctor's trying to save him. Okay. I'm way back there. Uh, you are way back there. That's cool. <laughs> hey, late, better late than never. So you got, yeah, you got nine more seasons to go. You're okay. <laughs> to <catch> up. You <laughs> but another thing uh, that we saw in the latest episodes was more on, the Commonwealth, though the Commonwealth is a very sophisticated, um, you know, uh, community, um, which has train stations, uh, bakeries, you know, uh, all the amenities that a lot of these survivors don't have. So they're way advanced and technolo- technology-wise and everything else-wise. And uh, it was all about um, our beloved characters and Eugene and Yumiko and princess and ezekiel um interacting with people within that community and as you know yumiko is a lawyer so she meets her brother uh and uh it's all about that dynamic so uh again very cool episode tune in um and which is great about amc plus you get the you get the newest episode one week before the rest of the world sees the episode so Hmm. um 
so yeah, check it out. Um, only one more episode left uh, in the first third of the final season. So it's break, broken up into three parts. Um, the final uh, episode eight will air on AMC Plus this Sunday, but will drop next Sunday. And then we have to wait until February to see the next eight episodes. And then after February, I believe they're going to finish it up later in 2022. So still a lot of Walking Dead left, but nonetheless. Um, uh, let's see. Over on Network, does people still watch Network TV? Because they're, they're still putting out some stuff. <laughs> I say surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> True lies. If it has FBI in the title or uh, Chicago in the title, people watch it, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, or, or, or NCIS, since NCIS, NCIS now has NCIS Hawaii That's now. The whole so. baby boom, baby boomers love that generation loves procedural shows. Yeah, they they love that mm-hmm. stuff. But uh, yeah. because you can watch one episode and you're you're done, you know, you like you don't have to watch every episode. I guess that's why I don't know. Maybe kind of it does it does kind of keep you on the edge of your seat those procedurals. But uh, but over on CBS they're doing a True Lies pilot. I remember the the movie oh. with uh, oh yeah. Jake, Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis and Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they just greenlit a series um, based on it, based on the movie. It's like a reboot series. Uh, stars Ginger Gonzaga and Steve Howey. So oh, okay, yeah, I can see yeah. that. Yeah, Steve Howey is Shameless, yeah. Yeah, yeah from, from Shameless, yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Shameless is another good show that actually I'm behind on. I'm like kind of where you are, Walking Dead, Vince. I, I, <laughs> Definitely intend to follow up on that one. So we'll have to see how that one goes. Uh, I have missed Saturday Night Live. I know it's gotten a little woke over the years, but uh, or over the top woke. But uh, they just announced the first four hosts of the upcoming seasons uh, includes Kim Kardashian, of all people. My God. Uh, Owen Wilson. Yeah, what one of the actors, I forgot who, said, why? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was Deborah Messing actually said that. She yeah, that's right. That was Deborah Messing, yeah. <laughs> yep, Deborah Messing was actually the person who said that. <laughs> she said, why Kim Kardashian? I mean, I know she's a cultural icon, but SNL has hosts generally who are performers who are there to promote a film, TV show, or album launch. Am I missing something? Is what Deborah Messing said. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's got, I mean, what the, I mean, keeping the Kardashians came to an end. Um, but yep. yeah, she'll be one of the hosts. Um, Owen Wilson, as we saw him recently in um, Loki. Was it Pokey Loki? Thank you. Yeah, Loki. Uh, and Loki and Rami Malek, uh, cool. the upcoming hosts coming up on Saturday Night Live. Um, they're also mm-hmm. getting a Night Court sequel series, so it won't be a reboot. Mm-hmm. This will be a sequel, as Melissa Roch, who play who was in Big Bang Theory, is mm-hmm. going to play. Um, Harry's daughter, um, from the original cool. judge in the Night Court series, so it kind of has a nice tie-in. And then John Larroquette is going to also star in that one as well. Dan Fielding. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the main cast of Night Court sadly had passed away. Mm-hmm. Marky Post was the most recent one, and Mac yep. passed away, and of mm-hmm. course Harry had passed away. The judge had passed away. So yeah, it's kind of uh sad to see that happen, you know. Um. Uh, let's see. And you mentioned law. Someone mentioned law and order or the procedural shows, but like they're actually Mm -hmm. uh, going back to the well with law and order. uh, And it went to 20 seasons. Now they're bringing it back. (laughs) 
and billing it as the 21st season. Can you believe that, guys? That's crazy. Wow. wow. Yeah, especially since it's been off the air for the last 10 seasons. Right. Oh, really? Exactly. Yeah. Who, now, who are we talking about? Are we talking about Jerry Orbach? Or who's in the show at this point? Ice-T? I don't know. interesting. Ice-T? Yeah, interesting enough. I'm curious who's going to be returning. Belzer? Um, I mean... I mean, I you have Sam Warrison. I mean, yeah, Sam Warrison could be back, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, he was like the longest cast member. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, I mean, are a lot of these guys still alive? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean you got you to gotta have to pay. <laughs> um, you know. Well, um, S.E. Papa Merkson is still alive because she was in um, one of the um, Netflix yeah. shows. I forgot which one. But she yeah. was, but she, yeah, so I interviewed her okay. a couple years ago. That's okay, sweet. very good. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and I think um, Sam Watterson was in that Kaminsky Method series, and I think that's coming to an end, so he'll be able to come back okay. for that one. But, uh, I mean, it was it was iconic, and it, and it was the first major procedural to, to kind of stick around, you know, and it went that oh, long. Yeah. And then, it was, then SVU kind of spin off from that, and SVU is now, like, the big show, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, interestingly enough, right? Um, yeah, crazy. But if they ever bring back Anthony Anderson, who played the Jew detective, that might be problematic since he's now on um, Blackish. So right. that might be problemsome. <laughs> oh wow, that's a good, that's a good theory there. <laughs> Anthony Anderson was in that one. Man. He's really mm-hmm. cool. I got to uh, have a drink uh, at the Kennedy Center Honors. Got to chat with him what? a little bit. Yeah, that was a really cool experience. Did I mention I'm jealous of you right now? Wait, you, you, how many? Um, <laughs> How many why how, so how many Kenny honors have you been to D? You probably been to more than I have. No, I've actually been to one and I was actually outside of it. So I haven't okay. attended any yet. Okay, so well this one was uh, I guess I'll tell you guys, I guess I'll tell the listeners again, but yeah, I was lucky enough to be the very bad dancer uh in a scene on stage with LL Cool J when he received his award, his his Kenny Center Honors Award. They they cast a bunch of just local actors to. How did I not of, know you were there? Because I was there, Al. We there danced together. Yes, I was you there. Did. <laughs> you there too? Wow. I was gr- I did my <laughs> yes. cabbage patch. You know, I, cabbage patch I tried to do the worm. They vetoed that. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you, man. I, I I'm a singer. I, I can play guitar, but dancing is not my forte. I will admit it, but it was wasn't it one of the coolest things to work it on. It was Vince? fun. That was a blast. Yeah, that was fun. I think that's before we were buddies, though. But I, I mean, think we, so. Yeah. But um, yeah, I no, I think we 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 chatted then because Lucky Lucky Harmon was in the house. And, oh yeah. That's you right. know, we were all about getting photos with Queen Latifah and, uh, yep. and Ella Cool J. But we did we did something cool that no one else did. Um, we actually said, hey, we have talent badges. We are sticking around for the party. Everyone oh. else, all the actors went home. We're like. We have talent badges. We just went into the we went to the open bar. We get, you know, hung out with Lionel Richie, uh, Calvert sure. Jr., um, <laughs> Kenny Rogers. Was Kenny there? Just the rhymes. I don't think Kenny was there that year. Was Kenny Rogers there that year? I feel like I saw him backstage. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, dude, it was dope. It was so dope. Yeah, very cool time. 
Uh, <laughs> and I feel like an outcast here. Damn, I feel like an We'll outcast. find the video. There's video of that because yeah, they aired it. Yeah, there's video of that. Dude, you got to check out me and Vince being awkward dancers. It was really funny. Oh, yeah, I have got to see this. You it said was, the one with El Cuche in it, right? Yeah, but the thing That's was, right. like, we were just kind of creating a nightclub atmosphere while they had professional dancers in the forefront doing the crazy dance moves. <laughs> but nonetheless, you can still pay attention to... You know, the white boy in the corner, Vince, and then yeah, and myself exactly. trying to dance, you know, with all the hip hop. <laughs> yeah, this thoughts everything, dude. It was crazy. Crazy, 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 crazy. Sounds like it. Sounds like yep, it. Yep, yep, Um and uh and yeah, we'll end up with a couple more things before we take a classic cut break. Uh let's see over in reality television. So we have a new host for The Bachelor. I actually put on my hat for that. I was like, hey, you know, I'd love to be a host for that show. But Jesse Palmer will be stepping into Chris Harrison's shoes for the next season of The Bachelor. And as you know, um, Chris Harrison uh, was kind of like had an amical part, like a not really amical, but he he parted ways with the show due to controversial statements he made um, about Rachel Kirkconnell, who was. Um, the finalist on his last season, The Bachelor, and saying how her attending an antebellum-themed event wasn't a problem, you know, five years ago, but it's a problem now. And that's basically all he said was an observation. I don't think he was defending the antebellum theme party, but just stating that back then it wasn't an issue, and now it's an issue. He got a lot of heat, and it cost him his job, you know? Um mm-hmm as supposedly being racially insensitive, but I really honestly feel, even though he did apologize, I really honestly feel it was, there was no malintent for him saying that. It was just purely an observation that there were things five years ago, you've hacked 10, 10 years ago, even that, you know, people didn't even bat an eye, but now because of these cancel culture and things, you know, you know, it it's, I you mean, know who, who I don't know who the fuck is going to an antebellum theme party, but uh, yeah, either way, he probably it sounds like he just made an observation, but yeah, yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, I feel like they really overstepped and went a bit too far because it's like, unless you say, you guys are just foolishness, it's just an antebellum fight, nope, I was about to make it a big deal, yeah, then it's a problem, but it's like, just it's like that's like. He's stating a fact. A I mean, he's just stating Stay a fact. fact. Yeah. He was stating a fact, yeah. and you know what? It's it was the South. It is a part of American history, and there was antebellum themes after the Civil War. It wasn't a it wasn't a Civil War thing. It's just I don't know. Anyways, that's neither here nor there, guys. That was uh, we have all their controversial things, uh, topics that we can go into. But I think it's uh, right now is a good time to take a classic cut break. Um, and uh, with that, um, I thought a good class. So the theme. Uh, so basically, I think I, I kind of based it on who tonight's guest was. And it's Tim O'Donnell, director of Tougher Than a Tank, which um, is a great documentary about a Marine who was seriously injured, uh, brain in, had suffered a severe brain injury from f- friendly fires during his time in Iraq. And, um, you know, shows about his recovery and his other best friends in the Marines that served the same time as him uh, running from his hometown in Connecticut to Eddie's hometown in New York, where where he is, and um, bringing awareness and raising money 
for the therapy that he desperately needs. And, uh, you know, I thought about, okay, well, what's a, what's a good song about that? And then I thought, you know what, let's tie it into also Broadway because I actually got to check out a very cool Broadway play, which I mentioned on the show, Waitress, starring the amazing Sarah Bareilles. And mm-hmm. um, I previously wanted to play a classic cut for her. So I was like, okay, can I find a theme that matches both? And I was like, the song Brave. Uh, and uh, I thought it was the perfect song. It, it's such a great song by Sarah Bareilles. And I think it definitely describes, um, you know, the men and women of, of the Marines and, and our other armed forces in the Navy and the Army and the Coast Guard, um, the servicemen of our country that go out there and fight for our country and fight for our freedoms and put their lives at risk. So, uh, yeah, this is Sarah Bareilles with Brave. Uh, so we'll be back right after the classic cut. And it's a great song. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back after the classic cut. I wonder what would happen if you say what you want to say Yeah, that was Sarah Bareilles, Brave. Yeah, uh, great song. Um, you didn't, I eventually you didn't know that was Sarah Bareilles, but you know you're yeah. familiar with the song, right? Oh yeah, instantly I knew the song. I just I never knew that was her. So shame on me. That's She's quite great, right. She's you probably know her song, Love Song. That's probably her most popular yeah. song. Yes, it is. Yeah. Sure, we'll say that I know it. Okay. <laughs> I know her from Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. I know she's in Waitress. I I respect her. I just don't always know these pop oh, songs. Okay, of course, totally, totally. Good. All right, all right. Let's talk about some controversy in Hollywood. Um, uh oh. So um, <laughs> R. Kelly, um, known for I believe I can fly, and uh, was convicted in a sex trafficking trial after decades of avoiding uh, criminal responsibility um, for numerous allegations of misconduct with. Women, and sadly, with women that were underage, um, and a jury Stop of seven to cancel men, R. Kelly. Damn it! Seven men and five women found R. Kelly guilty of all nine counts, including racketeering, on the second day of deliberation. So, um, yeah, yeah, he was definitely one of the first Me Too. Like him and uh, Bill Cosby were the first two Me Too um, casualties. And some people can, you know, come back from them. Some people, you know, like, as you know, uh, Kevin Spacey is now back shooting a film uh, in Italy. So he's not doing an American cinema or American television. He's uh, working in Italy. So it's, yeah, that's a thing, man. A lot of it's, some things are just not forgivable, you, you know, for certain um actors to continue having a career in Hollywood after being canceled. Um, and if, wow. And interesting enough, I read about Chris Cuomo. Well, we all know about Andrew Cuomo, governor Andrew Cuomo's misconduct and, uh, you know, sexual harassment early in his, uh, political career. But now Chris Cuomo actually, uh, <laughs> responded to an inappropriate conduct years ago. Um, and basically, uh, Chris squeezed 
her ass cheek, one of her buttocks. Um, Wait, who? At a who, going who? away party for an ABC News colleague. <clears throat> um, and of course, he apologized for the incident. But uh, um, but yes. Um, so now both Cuomo brothers are kind of. Uh, <laughs> 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 I guess you say it runs in the family a little bit, you know. Oh boy. But I mean, they're good. They're you know, mm. I know they're just saying, oh no, it's a t- it's an Italian thing, you know. We like to smack women on the butts and stuff like that, but. It's a different day and age now, you know? It's like... Wait, I could be using that defense all this time? It's beautiful. <laughs> it's an Italian thing. It's Come an on. Italian thing. <laughs> well, see, the Italians, they do the double kiss. Mwah, mwah, you know? That's true. Um, That's true. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, something, there's different cultural things, but then again, at the end of the day, they're Americans also. They're not from Italy, yeah. you know, where you know, in some cultures, it's not considered offensive to do that. But. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's wild. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. This is kind of interesting. So Linda Evangelista was one of the supermodels of the 90s, recognized the world over in all her catwalks in the fashion shows and in all her magazine. And I think she was in that um, Freedom video with um, George Michael back in 90s. Yeah, that was an iconic video with all those hot supermodels. She actually mm-hmm. really suffering from a very botched um, procedure from cool sculpting. Um, so it's a fat reduction procedure that left her permanently deformed. Jesus. Um, now she's like mostly devastated um, and wondering why she hasn't been working with her peers is because of that botched, botched procedure. Um, you know, um, that's kind of crazy. Deformed, ugh, permanently deformed from a from a cool sculpting. Cool, just... cool sculpting. That's what they're calling it. Yeah, cool sculpting. Jesus, are, are you familiar mm-hmm. with the procedure? Uh, no. Are Dean? You know what it's about? Yeah, unfortunately, I used to work at a doctor's office who specialized in cool sculpting and uh, micro laser surgery. So I'm definitely familiar with it. Oh boy. There's a lot of like women that get, yeah, the plastic surgery, and obviously there's in Hollywood, you know, there's this, you know, this perceive, you know, you want to be perceived as beautiful, but at the end of the day, like sometimes it's not worth it, you know. I know that like so many women have looked, I'm not gonna name any names, but so many uh, celebrities have got gone through the procedures, don't look as attractive, and and the one, the ones that plump their lips up like they look like two big hot dogs yeah not not all men find that attractive and then that the, the fake butts and the fake yeah you know it's like it's, i'm sure you know guys might some guys might like that but not every guy is gonna like that and, and at the end of the day maybe some actresses who elected to have those procedures may, might be wondering why they're not getting work so you know i don't know, also, you know? It's, i get it. i mean it's different for guys i know it's it's not really fair for women they maybe they're yeah. judged more harshly but i don't get the actresses because i'm like we can see that you know the camera's right in front of you a we know what you used to look like b you you can't hide that on camera like no one is right. an idiot we can tell you've had work done and it's just weird so i, I know I, I don't know why some don't want to just age gracefully yeah. you know um right. You know, it's just, I don't know. I mean, again, tweets their own, um, but uh, three guys weighing in on this. You know, (laughs) I think we should have a female uh, subject matter expert and and continue that topic when we when we have. (laughs) 
<laughs> somebody who can talk about it. Um, but yeah, we do have some sad wrestling pieces to throw out. As you know, we lost um, an icon in Michael K. Williams. He was an actor in The Wire yeah. on HBO. And uh, we just found out what uh, causes death. It was an overdose of fentanyl, heroin, and cocaine. Man, mm. that's so sad, dude. He was nominated for an Emmy for Lovecraft Country, guys. Can you believe that? And uh, a lot of people wanted him to win the Emmy. He did not win the Emmy, but nonetheless, um, it's just an, just an example of another actor just gone way too soon. And it pains me to think mm. it was his own demons that took his own life, you know? Yeah. Um, we also lost Melissa Yandel Smith, the actress who played Frances McDormand's character in the in the uh, Nomadland film. Oh, remember wait, who Nomadland? Did... Oh, really? Yeah. Sadly, she the... died from colon cancer at the age of sixty-four. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So that's definitely um, tough news to hear. Um, Melvin Van. Oh, and we just. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's no, all right. Yeah, do you have you have one on the list that might? Well, I'm still. Oh no, go, you ahead. go ahead. I'll, I'll let you know. Okay, uh, Melvin yeah. Van Peebles, an icon of black cinema, mm. who acted and directed in influential films like Watermelon Man, uh, mm-hmm. Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, died at oh, age 89, yeah. and he is the father of Mario Van Peebles. Mm-hmm. Also, Gene Hale, um, who was in TV's Batman, the original Batman series with Adam West, who was the hat check girl accomplice of the Mad Hatter, died at the age of 82. Natural causes. Tim Donnelly, best known for playing Fireman Chuck Kelly on the 70s TV series Emergency, passed away. Um, Al Harrington, the Samoan American actor known as Detective Ben Kalua on Hawaii Five O, had passed away after a stroke. Character actor Basil Hoffman, uh, more than 100 television roles and movies, and passed away at the age of 83. He was in Hill Street Blues, Santa Barbara, Square Pegs, to name a few. Hmm. And you have one to add to the list, Dean? Yep. Uh, Tommy Kirk, who was part of the original Mickey Mouse Club. He was an old yeller, and I think oh, he was wow. in The Shaggy Dog. Um, and his longtime friend, um, also fellow child actor, Paul Peterson said he passed away at the age of 79. He was known for many Disney films. He died at his home in his Las Vegas. Oh, wow. Another one to add to the list. Yeah, it seems like every week there's just just an iconic name in in the entertainment industry that that just leaves us way too soon. Um, But yeah. But of course, with Death We Celebrate Life with some birthday shout-outs. Jerry Lee Lewis Mm -hmm. is 86 today. Ian McShane, iconic actor Ian McShane, is 79. Andrew Dice Clay, how you doing? At 64. <laughs> uh, ben Miles, oh. the crown is 55. Oh! <laughs> Zachary Levi from Chuck, is 41. Uh, Chrissy Metz from This Is Us is 41. Kelly McCleary from Grey's Anatomy is 40. Um, and Singer Halsey. It's 27. It's birthdays today. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, uh, nice. of course, with Death We Celebrate Life. And uh, congratulations to Ronda Rousey, who is a new mom. Oh, UFC, really? former UFC champion, WWE superstar. She just uh, posted um, a very unique name of her daughter. It's uh, 
Laakea Makalapola Comino. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding? I, I'm not joking. <laughs> Brown. Her last name's Brown. So uh, La- tell me the dad's Hawaiian or something, because so otherwise the dad's name is Travis Brown. Oh Jesus. And the daughter is La Atila Makalapola Kokanipo Brown. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing to your kid? I mean, you know somebody has to get through life with this name. You may think it sounds cool, but what the fuck? That's the thing. A lot of a lot of celebrities like to take liberties with their the kid's name, like like Apple. Remember Apple? That's like that was like the, yeah. the first. Oh yeah, and, odd um, celebrity name. Pilot Inspector Pilot Inspector Lee Chasen's Lee's kid. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's Pilot Inspector. Pilot Inspector. Like, that is so bizarre. <laughs> I think that's because of uh, his Scientology, you know? Oh, yeah, probably. That makes it really, really weird, you know? But it's just like, you're not the one who's going to have to deal with it. The kid is going to have to deal with right. it. Right. <laughs> um, and before we get, I guess, uh, while we're waiting for Tim. Um, if you could, Dean, uh, tell us what we can expect on the upcoming uh, Rogers Review, both on the YouTube show and uh, on the, the website. Well, the good news is um, one of my writers, Errol Lee Morales, she just interviewed the cast of the up-and-coming Apple TV series Acapulco, oh, wow. which is a bilingual series starring Eugenio de Bears. And he'll be, and he's playing. It's an '80s type show, and it's going to premiere in October coming up. While um, she's also going to be interviewing one of the cast members for the upcoming Disney on Ice Mickey Search Party, which is going to be mm-hmm. opening up in the DMV next week, I believe. And then, if fingers crossed, I'm going to be interviewing the cast of the upcoming movie Mass, which stars Jason Isaacs and and Dowd. That's coming up. Jason Isaacs, next week yeah, as well. he's a great actor. Mm-hmm. And of course, he's on one of your favorite shows. Yes, he is. Dark so it's Scotty, like, right? Oh yeah, playing Captain Gabriel Lorca. It's like, I and I'm I'm actually I'm going to be seeing him tomorrow because there's a screening tomorrow night at um, East Street Cinema, so I cannot wait to see him in person physically and oh, wow. be honored of his presence. So, see, you that's get to do so many cool things too, man. A lot of that, I'm like, yeah. I've never missed about, you know? So, I think we kind of, like, <laughs> we have our <laughs> things that we, we do individually, but we do go, uh, we do hear of a, a couple of the uh, same things uh, um, mm-hmm. In tandem as well, but I think we do. Oh, and almost ready. forgot. Um, for those in the Baltimore DC area, there's going to be a brand new venue opening this weekend. I almost forgot about that. Okay. So we have Capital One Arena. Now we have a Capital One Hall. It's this brand new facility that is going to be acting as a theater, a concert hall, a symphony hall, and it's opening up Friday, October 1st. And the first. Oh, wow. Person who's going to be performing is Josh Groban, so he's oh, going to be the opening, opening the, uh, act. the venue. Mm-hmm. And what yes, what's the indeed. date of Josh Groban's uh, performance? Friday, October first. Oh first wow! October. Holy smokes! Wow! Yep. So, so in a couple of days in our venue. capital. So I believe we do have Tim O'Donnell, director extraordinaire of this great documentary, Tougher Than a Tank. Uh, Tim, are you with us? Yeah, thanks so much for having us. I I have a, a 
another special guest. Uh, Co-director John Mercer is here. Okay, cool. And, we have Tim and, and John both. Awesome. Apologies for not not giving you that up, but uh, we're actually on a another documentary film shoot and uh, oh, excited wow. to be joining, uh, talking about uh, our most recent film. Wait and, a minute. Uh, you're yeah, actually man, on we're... set and you're actually joining <laughs> us on Below the Belt Show while you're on set of this other documentary? This is crazy. It's true. It's true. Here we are. Oh, my God. Well, we're... <laughs> We appreciate the uh, the time management, <laughs> I guess, the multitasking to be with us. And 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 um, Tim and and then and John, if you'd like to to enable your videos, you're more than welcome. But if you want to stick to audio, that is totally cool too. Uh, we are inside our production van right now, so it's going to be a very exciting background for you. Um, but here we are. Okay. <laughs> I think that works great. Yeah. yeah. All right. Are you guys together? Hey, hey. Uh, we uh, we are in Vermont. Uh, been filming for a week or so and uh, lacking some sleep and bigger beards than we typically have. Uh, yes. So it's it's, <laughs> that it's is great exactly to be uh, 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 grow our beards for sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, we, we'll talk you about know, this uh, in the doc. <laughs> yeah but we got to talk about Absolutely. we got to talk about tougher than a tank because uh john and tim it was a powerful powerful um documentary that really resonated with us hey guys um had all the feels man okay. and i know everybody whether a friend or family member had served in the military um can relate to it and even if you don't know someone that served in the military i, I think you can be emotionally drawn to this documentary and uh i guess i'll start with the beginnings of it i mean uh in pursuing eddie and noah as subjects first of all um how did that go about um as you know there's probably many vets with a similar situation from serving um that have had injuries what stood out about noah and eddie's story for you guys yeah, I think, you know, like we uh, were very lucky to know Noah um, uh, through common circles, um, but it kind of goes back a little bit further, I think, before we sort of met Noah and, and got to know Noah. You know, me and John are both civilians, and we happened to meet a veteran uh, a little over 10 years ago, uh, Nick Pomachano, who's who's a producer on this film. And he kind of let us in a little bit and we started making films within the veteran community. And I think there was this like common bond, common trust. And that was building. And then, you know, we had this lucky encounter with Noah and we actually made a, a short film uh, about Noah before this ah. long film called Tougher Than a Tank. Um, so it's a little so, prequel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, not very common in the documentary space. Right. Uh, mixed yeah. Third trilogy. Maybe we we'll do a trilogy. Yeah, we'll um, but uh, yeah, and you know, it was uh, one of those things where you know, me, me and John made this shorter film with Noah, and then one day he called us and was like, "Hey, I'm gonna run uh, 145 miles to reconnect with a wounded vet I haven't seen in 12 years," and he was just letting us know. He wasn't like, "Hey, let's make a film," and and we're like. 
I think it wasn't even a question. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like this, let's just get in a van uh, <laughs> as we are tonight. Uh, and, uh, let's, let's just go do this thing. Yeah. <laughs> are you guys in the van that was in the movie? I guess no, there were a couple. I, I would say like that was uh, there was uh, like a very little van moment in filming with Noah, and we we're like, you know what? We should we should have a van. And then there was another van film that happened after that, and then and then I got, and then I got my own van, and and uh, here we are in Vermont in a van, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned moments ago, you both never served in the military, yet you made two films that featured the military as protagonists. And I want you to talk about because you mentioned something moments ago about earning that trust of these men and women who served, fought lived, bred, died for the country, that they're able to trust the both of you to share their story. So I want you to talk about that process for a bit. Yeah, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump back into that. I think the baseline of um, making a connection, so you're outside of community, right? Like we're, we're civilians and we're entering the veterans, veteran space. And um it's a venn diagram you know there's commonalities that we all have that we share you know um initially just personally it was me with wrestling i wrestled in high school college and then coached high school for six years and nick uh pomachano who's a producer on this film uh he, he wrestled and is part of the wrestling community and so that was just that one common thing that we we kind of bonded on and allowed me in and i think all the films we do veteran and, and non-veteran related all have that common thing where it's it's this window this door we want to let people in like you know uh, at the end of the day we're all just trying to connect and i think documentary films are is an interesting space to do that uh to bring people in and so um even though tougher than a tank is one film and it's one story about noah and eddie uh i think it also kind of it has been building up for me and john with getting to know the community being outsiders, having lots of questions, um, mm -hmm. you know, and then hopefully paying paying respect, uh, and then also honoring stories. Um, but you know, I think it, I think it also goes back to just um, we're gonna do something and we're gonna show up, and you know, and like uh, that goes a long way, um, especially when it's early mornings uh, and late late nights mm -hmm. uh, film sessions. But I don't know. I think I feel like a lot of the things we've been doing has has just been mirroring uh, a lot of that stuff um, within the, the veteran community. You really struck gold with, with Eddie and Noah. I mean, you those two subjects have such a story to tell of, of being um, almost lifelong friends that have both enlisted in the Marines and one, um, both injured, one invisible injury, the other severely injured with brain injury. Uh, and and Eddie is such such a good spirit, despite his 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 brain trauma. Um, just maintains a sense of humor, and I, I love how you were able to capture that he can only laugh, he cannot cry, but he can only laugh. And uh, his father was like, "I'd rather that he's able to laugh than cry." Uh, that really really touched me when uh when you guys uh interviewed uh, Eddie's father about that, but. Uh, just overall working with Eddie, just just describe uh, what was like, what what it was like dealing with Eddie as a subject. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Eddie Eddie is a great subject because um, you know uh, he he can only be direct in some ways, um, and 
uh, he also, you know, I, I think his, his personality uh, is very present and there's not any kind of artifice around it. He, he just is, uh, he is who he is and, and, and he likes what he likes. And uh, a lot of those things are, you know, consistent from uh, times before the injury with him. Um, you know, I, I think when even when we were just kind of reacting to what uh, Noah was about to do, uh, and knowing that Eddie was a part of this, you know, I think we had a lot of conversation about um, how what, what's the best way to work with someone mm. with a with a brain injury, right? And and um, it was mostly like, how can we give Eddie uh, screen time here, uh, where he can express himself in in to the best of his ability, and like, right? How, how can we you know include him in a way that isn't it's like not pandering to his injury? Um, right. you know, allowing him to speak for himself and then, um, you know, what are, what are some other ways that we can introduce people who are key to uh, his life right now and, and, and his caregiving, primarily his parents and people immediately around him? Um, how can we use them to sort of voice things that Eddie is not able to voice? Um, so there's a little bit of a line there too, because you, you can't let everyone speak for Eddie all the time. Uh, so, I, I mean, honestly, it, it, it's kind of going back to that first question about like, you know, how do you get into a community that, that isn't yours? Well, you you turn up and you spend time and you take time, you slow down. And, and if, you know, the interview takes a little bit more and you have to work at it a little bit more, then, then you do those things. And uh, I think Eddie reacted really well because we were we were there. It wasn't like okay, like five minutes, Eddie, say something, right? Like, you know, we, we, we hung out with him. He's this dude. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we, like, cracked a lot of jokes along the way because Eddie, Eddie loves telling jokes and we love jokes and, you know. Like yeah, that was he sure and, did. Yeah, and then we, we got around to, you know, talking about things that are a little more important to him. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just time. It's just time, you know. But it, it, it's easy at the end of the day also because it is just time. Yeah. And then switching over to Noah, so you were following Noah during his run uh, in the van. Um, but I couldn't help but notice that Noah and his buddy that he recruited sat in the van for a little while. So did he technically <laughs> complete the run? And uh, how, how did you want to, I guess, explain um, the time that they sat in the van and not running? Yeah, I think like it's uh, such a commitment, right, to run. Right. 145 miles in three days so 70 miles day one uh massive elevation change through the berkshires which right. are this huge mountain range um day two you're looking at you know another huge run um and you know day three day three is this change right it's 15 miles left and um you know exhaustion hits hard yeah yeah i mean uh we've we've gotten to work with a lot of ultra athletes and the common problem for folks is back-to-back -back marathon, back-to-back -back events. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. typically you have this recovery period. You know, we've also worked with, you know, UFC MMA athletes, and it's this recovery thing. Like you don't, you don't have two UFC fights back-to-back. -back. It's not like you're right. Friday yeah. you're fighting and yeah. Saturday you're fighting, right? It's like right. months. And so months between, yeah, that is kind of the battle that Noah put himself up into, and it it. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, metaphors in there, or there's a lot you can dig into with him putting himself there. Uh, you know, part partially because he, he obviously he felt this need to to reach out to Eddie, 
He wanted to reach out to Eddie, but he also, it's not going to be easy because I haven't seen him for 12 years. And it's been, you know, he's gone through all these things personally. Like part of this film is, Ed, you know, Eddie's story, but it's also Noah's story. Somebody who has these invisible wounds that has, you know, um, it, it's complicated. It's not, it's gray. All this stuff is gray. So to go back to, to resting, you know, resting is huge, you know, walking, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to see this film about this guy running 145 miles. Well, he's not running all the time. He's got to walk. You know, right. at times the miles suck. Like at times he's sitting and, you know, we're, it was a unique scenario where the filmmakers are now embedded with the um, support team. Right. It's not, it's not like we, we can be um, separate from the folks that are, because anybody that's doing this kind of run has a team. So there's all these people, hmm. there's water, there's food, there's emergency scenarios. There's, right. everyone's, everyone's checking in, you know, because this is not like a safe uh thing to do mm. um what about sleep stop very quickly <laughs> um so so yeah so you see it all and you know we're we're sort of embedded in there and at times we had to shift our um what we we're doing uh whether we we're holding a camera or putting a camera down and, and talking and just you know being there or grabbing a water or grabbing whatever and mm. you know that's that's part of uh hopefully the film we can convey is is we're there and we're not just peace you know all right well <laughs> we're gonna go back to the hotel and hang out for a few hours. No, we're probably going to be there and hopefully capture everything. And, you know, uh, so yeah, yeah it's, but the, the, it's interesting because Noah's with two civilians, right. uh, two civilians that decided to join the run. And, uh, I, I love that they had a drop yeah. policy too. Right? Yeah. Like, um, so, you know, Noah, Noah's been running with these guys for a while and they, they all have proven themselves to each other. They're all getting up very early in the morning to run because they have families and jobs and other responsibilities and yet they, they want to get these miles in. But like, I, I think at the origination of this idea, Noah was like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Yeah. And his training partners were like, well, all right. Yeah. Like let's just come along. Um, but having a drop policy, I mean, there's so much more trust there as opposed to no drop. No drop is like, okay, we're all in this together. And if you have an issue, we're all going to slow down. We're going to deal with it. And if you can't make the miles, we all don't make the miles. But the drop policy is like, hey, uh, this is a very uh, large task in front mm -hmm. of us. And um, I'm not sure if we're all going to get there. Um, but but I the, the trust comes in of like, I know that you're going to try very hard to, to do these miles. And if you have to drop, it's because you, you physically couldn't do it. Um, and that's OK. Mm -hmm. And we'll pick you up and, and we'll reset tomorrow. Right. And you're going to do the same thing. And you know, we'll get as far as we get. And, and if you drop, like, I know that you're going to drop because you, you literally can't take another step, you know, and, and that's that's what happens. So right. anyone who's not actively running or even walking or moving another step forward, I mean, that drop is a is a real drop. You, like, you mm. dropped because you just can't do it anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'm sure there were aspects that we didn't see. I mean, it's three days, right, mm. roughly to do the 145 miles. Um where, where did Noah and his, and, and his recruits sleep uh, during yeah. that time? Well, I, I actually want to, like, um, let's preface that answer a little bit, too, because it's three days yeah. for 145 miles, but um, they really only ran 15 miles on the last day. So okay. so days one and two, um, significantly large days. Uh, the last day, uh, a little bit of warm-up and then, like, a really intense 5K. And they mm -hmm. were, they, what were their splits on, like, the last 5K? It was, like, seven and a half minute miles. 
Yeah. Jesus. Seven and a half months. Like they dropped people. They dropped other people that joined like the last 5K off the back because they were there. <laughs> Production <Sorry>. van. <laughs> There's equipment in the van and like, you know, like stuff's going to move around. Um, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, 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 uh, it was one of those films too that, um, you know, me and John didn't set out to make a feature. Uh, yeah, no, but no. It, it definitely proved yeah. itself. And so there was a lot of time before and after. Um, but, you know, it, it's uh, it's incredible. I mean, it, day one started, you know, 3.30 a.m. and didn't end until 9, 10 p.m., you know, and they were just running the whole time. It, mm. um, it, it's pretty remarkable, you know, decades after service for somebody like that. It goes back to the mental aspect, I think, of what some of these people have uh that you know maybe attracts them to the marine corps or whatever you know whatever line of work it doesn't have to be military but it's just sort of ingrained and that just continues on and i think for noah he always has a mission there's what's what's next and right now i know he's thinking of what's next Mm. wow that's awesome let's talk about casey affleck's involvement as executive producer how'd that go about and um was one of those things uh we got to put casey somewhere in, in front of the camera for the documentary or, or was that was he on the post-production point of the film for sure yeah i mean we he's definitely more on the the post-production side okay. um, he, he's been a very big supporter of the project he he sort he loves you know knowing eddie's story um and uh he'd been working with nick palmashano who's a producer on the film uh, and sort of silently helping a lot of veteran projects and uh, advocacy work. And, uh, you know, it's pretty neat when, you know, we got to, um, tell officially, uh, Noah and Eddie's family that, you know, uh, he wanted to be involved and he wanted to put his name and help the film. And, um, uh, you know, I think, I think it's just kind of like, um, a point of acknowledgement, um, not just for Noah and Eddie, but the veteran community, um, that their voices are being heard. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it was, it was very supportive. Um, we've had a lot of really great engaging conversations with Casey and, um, it's been wonderful to have that additional support. Um, and you know, he's just only sort of helped the film and advocated for it. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Vincent Dean, I know your, your wheels are spinning. Yeah, man, I'm I, I'm so tempted to pepper you guys with questions. I just saw it last night, so it's so fresh in my mind. Um, yeah, and, you know, this is right up my alley. I'm not a veteran or anything, but, like, Barkley Marathons is one of my favorite documentaries. So <laughs> yeah. this was, like, when I saw the description, I was like, holy shit, I got to watch this. Um, but I guess my, you know, my biggest question would just be, it occurs to me with something like this, the biggest decision is when you're going to drop information. And I thought you guys did a terrific job of it because it answered questions I didn't necessarily know I had. It wasn't like, oh, here's a big reveal. But it was like, oh, I was wondering who those other two guys are and what their deal is. Mm-hmm. And I I did want to hear Eddie talk. And you you chose a nice time to drop that. How do you how do you structure this thing? Like, how did you make those decisions about when to release bits of info? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I feel like we've evolved that process over the years too. You know, um, with with something a film like this that is sort of chronicling uh, an event that 
takes place in a, in a fixed amount of time. I mean, in some ways, uh, no beginning the run and, and ending the run. Uh, those are things that are known. Um, sure. And that's helpful. And then, I, you know, I think I think a lot of the times, um, you know, it, it's interesting because it, it maybe comes across to the viewer as like an information reveal. A lot of the times when we're charting that, when we're working with our editors, you know, we are more often than not, we're, we're, we're plotting uh, emotional response more mm. than information. And um, that's that's the biggest thing uh, for us when we make decisions about like pacing and even just like connection. And it's like, you know, how much how much do you need to know about this person to get going? Right. Yeah. Um, and then a little bit later, you know, how much do you need to know about this person to uh, say engage with them? Right. And, and understand um, how they're feeling in this moment, whether that's that's a high or a low. And then and then how do you feel about it as a viewer? You know, um, and I, I think in this film, you know, th there were a lot of choices about how the, how the tone could uh, kind of be conveyed. Um, there's certainly with Eddie and, and with Noah and, and, and the issues at hand, um, there can be a lot of weight. It can feel very heavy or sometimes you can get that information in a way that is a little bit lighter and you're you're kind of moving with it. You're moving that uh, that emotion along with them. So, you know, the fact that they are in motion for a lot of this film is helpful. <laughs> for that. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I, I feel like in addition to like you know, the, the logistical chart on films like these, we, we sort of like we plan around ups and downs and OK, I, I need you or I want you as a viewer to be hearing this information when you are in this state. And then and then we kind of structured the reveal around that, too. Um, yeah. But um, I love that you mentioned, you know, the moment where Eddie does speak for the first time in the film. And uh, I, I feel like we probably spent the most time thinking about mm. that. When is the right time to hear Eddie's voice? Um, when is it, you know, more appropriate for others to speak and represent Eddie's opinion? Um, and how far into this, you know, can we get before we, we actually need to hear him and and understand a little bit more about? Because I think when you when you hear him, you know, you uh, you you get a better sense of who he is. You, you get a little bit closer to being in the room with him. And I, I think you also, for better or worse, you understand the extent of his injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because he wants to be telling you a lot of things. And the words that are available uh, are much smaller than that. And I think um, the, the pace with which he's delivering information and the time when you hear it, you know, we, we really worked quite a bit to place that in the right moment where you could hear those things you could be okay with hearing them and, and confronting his injury for yourself, whatever that meant to you. And and also it was the right time, you know, to um, people were invested enough to understand and, and want to know those things and want to go on the journey of um, facing Eddie's injury along, along with Noah. One of okay. the things that you also did great with the, with the, with the pacing uh, with Eddie was revealing that, their father and and uh, Eddie's father was insistent on not pulling the plug initially, um, and that was a key moment because sometimes maybe maybe pulling the plug too soon it, it could 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 change the course of you know the entire life of that that individual you know in this case they insisted on keeping Eddie in the plug uh, uh, and, you know keeping Eddie plugged rather and uh, which resulted in him living which was exceeding the doctor's expectations so i thought that was a really nice reveal also mm -hmm. that you had towards the end of the documentary 
Yeah, I think I think it's a tough moment. You know, it's uh, it's not easy to talk about. I mean, a lot of stuff is gray, and uh, you know, there was something with their connection that um, his parents made the right decision, and um, I think you know, this film is a lot of things, right? This film is obviously much about Eddie, Noah, but I think there's a big portion of this film that's about caregivers. And, you know, um, as much as we're talking about all these amazing qualities and all these heroic things, the reality of Eddie's parents are very um, full-time. And it's, uh, it's a lot of work. And hopefully you get to see that a bit and yeah, see you, are, you guys really honored that. I mean, Chris is a great, I'm sure early on you realize Chris is kind of a, a great narrator in a way. I mean, he's, I don't want to say a great character. He's a, he's a real guy, but he's just such a good guy. And I yeah. thought you really honored his journey. And he's, uh, I mean, he even says like Eddie's his hero. So Eddie's kind of this like leader floating above all the proceedings in a way. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but having Chris kind of be the narrator was a really great choice, I thought. Yeah, I, I you know, when uh, when Chris tells you that, you know, like maybe or, or he, he questions and, and is pretty certain that, you know, maybe this is his life's calling. Right. This is why he's here. Uh, you know, I, I, I believe him. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's just so um, transparent about the way that he feels about it. Um, and, and, you know, Eddie, Eddie uh you know it is is their life um and you know whatever he needs to do uh whatever whatever stereotypes uh, within himself he needs to break in order to provide that care he's also willing to do um it's really it's really interesting when you encounter someone like that and and they just like you know whether it's out of necessity or 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 something other than that they they just like okay well this is this is how this has to go. Uh, this is uh, in everyone's best interest, and, and yeah. I can be, I can be tough. I can be strong. I can also be gentle. I can, you know, have a full range of of being with this person that I'm caring for. And, yeah, yeah. It's, it's also like, um, all right. Let's think about masculinity. Let's think about toughness. Let's think about all these things, what they represent. Mm-hmm. And you have right. somebody, Chris, who's the ultimate tough guy, leather jacket, motorcycle, yeah. Marines, mm-hmm. and his at the it boils down to him being like th- this previous background that i have has been building me up to take care of my son who has a brain injury mm-hmm. who's severely disabled and he does it with the most tenderness you, you'll ever see when he's yeah. washing mm-hmm. in the bathroom and you know uh, touching. Yeah. you you get a, this glimpse of what what that can be uh um a bit more than what we typically get to see mm-hmm. and i think a lot of the films that we we hope to try to make are letting you in on those moments that um, you start to expand maybe your views on um, what these things look like. And, you know, just what a, what a family, you know, what a family that said they're going to do something and they did it, you know, it goes back to Eddie, but it also goes to the family. Awesome. Well, this is really great guys. Uh, Now you mentioned you're already working on your next documentary. Are we allowed to talk about it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> we've made, so we had this um <laughs> we have this uh thing where we make we've been able to make a lot of films we're very lucky uh you know um documentaries take years and so during so the pandemic happened if 
you're a listener and you didn't hear that, it, it happened uh, and it's happening. <laughs> but uh, it paused some stuff. And uh, really so sorry we, if you're just hearing about it now. <laughs> breaking news. So we, we, we were very lucky because we had all the production done on, on Tougher Than a Tank that's now available on Amazon, right. uh, iTunes, yes. whatever. So uh, we were able to finish that, really spend a lot of time, but we had another documentary um, that we've been working on for 10 years. And um, it was it's a personal one to me. And so me and John have been working on this film uh, about my dad who had a brain injury, who lost uh, you know, a big chunk of his memory of me and my siblings growing up. Um, and... Um, 10 years ago, the initial idea of the film was to bring his memories back, go on this journey to find his memories. And it turned into this weird, bizarre, eternal sunshine meets avant-garde film where it's not about the memories that you're trying to get back. It's, it's, uh, who, who have we changed into? Who have we become? And a new relationship. And so it's, it's, you know, we get to work on a lot of films that are pretty um, extraordinary, uh, the stories and um, the mirror of, you know, Eddie's family, um, which the brain injury is very different. My dad's brain injury is very different than Eddie. Um, right. uh, but the timing was interesting. So we, we finished finish this film called The the House We Lived In um, that we're um, going to be releasing soon. Oh, right. Uh, and uh you know that it's been wonderful doing that you know and it's this personal film near and dear to your heart yeah it's yeah totally totally yeah, yeah exactly mm-hmm. and then you know there's all these other films that we're, we're continuing to work on okay. um there's a film with mary daig who's another veteran um she's a double arm amputee uh elbow up so no prosthetics and she's a big gamer and she plays video games with their feet and you know she's on uh twitch in a lot of co- online communities and um so we've been filming with her for like three ish years uh but right now we're in vermont uh mm-hmm. doing a different thing <laughs> yeah right now we're in vermont uh still chasing another uh you know endurance endurance related uh event we okay, are cool falling around uh there's there's a bike packing events a bike packing if you're not familiar, it kind of mixes like, you know, gravel, mountain bike riding with uh, more like backpacking style camping. And, um, you know, there, there's a great event here in Vermont called the Super 8. Super 8 is 640 miles of riding. Uh, it's the majority of it's off the road. So it's gravel, single track, it's a whole mix of things. Uh, there was a FKT, a fastest no time, but down this summer of like two and a half days on the route. So it, it's a pretty hot route. That, that was a lot of miles, but we're, we're chasing, uh, not, not just the front runners in this event where we've been kind of bouncing around for the wow. past week, chasing some people that are out there for the experience. And, uh, for a lot of folks in the endurance community, um, you know, bikepacking mm-hmm. is a cool mix of like a, a very high performance sport. And it's also something that's community driven because you're, mm-hmm. you're going through, um, all these small towns and you're interacting with people. So this, this is also, uh, you know, acknowledging that we're not post COVID, but this was like our, our attempt at like having a post COVID film that, that is also coming back to community. This is a lot of, you know, for many people who, uh, were, you know, pursuing 
cycling or, or other endurance sports, uh, you know, they're, they're missing their races, they're missing their community, they're missing um, this kind of engagement uh, that comes along with it. And so, yeah, we're, we're following some everyday athletes and uh, some high performance athletes and um, the community in Vermont that comes together and the policy that makes all of these trails possible. And um, so, yeah, we're, we're in the middle of that right now in a van in Vermont. <laughs> well, awesome. We can't wait to have you back to talk about that one. When that, that gets released. But of course, you can check out Tougher Than a Tank on all the street, all the platforms, right? Amazon, I see Voodoo also available. Is it on Tubi as well? Or Yep. Yep. And, wow. and iTunes um, and uh, Cable On Demand, wherever you have that. Yeah. All, all, all those good VHS. Things. VHS. VHS, yeah. uh, oh, VHS too. Yeah. Walmart, yeah, that's, yeah that's, uh, <laughs> they can jump up to the back of the van. They're five dollars. Yep, yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> you can. We'll 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 give you a deal. I for will. Uh, you see, <laughs> title's a little crooked. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, wow. Thanks so much, Tim and John. Uh, again, a brilliant documentary. Yeah. It tugs at the heartstrings, man. You should check it out. Of course, with the upcoming Veterans Day coming up. What 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 better film uh, I I can think of is, is tougher than a tank, you know. I can't think of a, a better a film than tougher than a tank <laughs> to watch on Veterans Day to honor those that have served their country. And it's a good length. We should say that it's a nice, uh, brisk pace, and you're in and out. Yeah. I watched it with my wife. Neither of us took a bathroom break, and that's unheard of. So. Nice. That's wow. great. Check it out. <laughs> so I guess John and uh, Tim, before we let you go, want to do like a promo. Let us know who you are. Throw out a plug for uh, Tougher Than a Tank, maybe a quick, tiny synopsis, and then let us know you're on Below the Belt Show. Mm. Toughest question you ask. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I am Tim. I'm John. And we are Pixella Films, and we would love for you to check out Tougher Than a Tank. It's a feature-length documentary uh, available now uh, that brings you through a story of one marine um trying to reconnect with the wounded veteran he hadn't seen in 12 years on this epic run 145 miles door to door um which you know tells the story of uh the veteran process after service um, but also brings us into um recovery healing uh and, and what it means to um reconnect Thanks for listening. We're on uh, Below the Belt Show, and thanks for having us. And check it out. <laughs> right on. Awesome. Well, uh, I see you guys are bundling up because you guys are in Vermont. So <laughs> stay warm, and uh, thanks Thank- so much for talking to us again. I, again, a brilliant, brilliant doc, uh, urging everyone to check it out. Thanks so much, John and Tim, and thanks for calling in to Below the Belt Show. Thanks. Thanks, thanks for having us. All right. Thanks, take guys. care. Good luck. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye, guys. Right. Guys, that was John Mercer and Tim O'Donnell. Tougher than a tank on demand. Um, so, yeah, that uh, brings us to the end of Below the Belt Show, guys. Wow. Uh, we like to thank, of course, um, our guests that we just had on the show, <laughs> Tim O'Donnell and John Mercer of Tougher Than a Tank. And, of course, I'd like to thank our panel, starting with, that's right, actor extraordinaire Vince Eisenson. Thanks so much for joining us. Back on hey, always TV. a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Dean Rogers of the Rogers Review. Are we getting Stay past inside. your bedtime, buddy? 
<laughs> no, not yet. I know okay. I got right in it too, but it was a great fun time tonight. <laughs> and I'm Al, uh, Al Salerisoto, guys. Um, uh, it was a great uh, interview. And of course, uh, for our um, on-demand listeners, uh, a check out at from Monster Mania's our Monster Mania, our interview with Grant Kramer and Suzanne Snyder from uh, the iconic 80s horror film, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. We got to talk with them at Monster Mania to close out the show. So on behalf of everyone here in the audience, we, uh, everyone here on the panel, and to our listening audience, we will see you guys next week. Until then, peace. Guys, guys, we are here at Monster Mania Hunt Valley, Maryland, with two of the stars from Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I'm excited to talk to Suzanne Snyder and the one and only Grant Kramer. How you guys doing? Awesome, dude. Awesome. Good to see you again. So last time we had you on the podcast, we were talking about the Killer Clowns from Outer Space sequel. Now, it's not a reboot or sequel, if we can clarify that part first. We kind of call it a requel because we kind of recapped the original movie in it, but it's a sequel. Okay, it's a sequel. So, um, so the script. Let's, how is the script looking? Um, you did say it was, it was completed. Yes. Um, is there any general premise we can get out of it? Um, you know, we want to keep the, the, the premise. I mean, the bottom line is the clowns are coming back, and they're bigger, and they're badder, and there's more of them, and it's crazier. Wow. Now, Suzanne, no hesitation. You're all on board to be a part of this uh, Killer Clown sequel, yes? Absolutely. <laughs> I love working with everybody. Yeah, very, very nice. Now, um, what, now, is it all about generations? Are we uh, doing maybe at this point, maybe your kids, uh, the, char- the kids of your characters maybe, uh, you know, also fighting these evil clowns side by side? I'm curious how that will go as well. Yeah, it's more, it's, I mean, there's kind of like a, a, not necessarily our kids, but like a new generation. Okay. And we're kind of the, uh, we're kind of the, um, you know, I guess you would say the, the mentors that have been there and done that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Now, do you prefer the old school um, practical effects, or um, do you think we'll, we're going to see some crazy CG in this new film? No, I think uh, it's got to stay old school. I mean, I okay. think the, the fans of Killer Clowns from Outer Space are not, you know, they're, they're, they don't want to see a bunch of fancy, you know, perfect things. They like the old school vintage effects, so we got to stay old school. So there may be a little bit, just to, mm-hmm. but we'll try to make that as invisible as possible. Right. Keep it, Keep it real. Awesome. Suzanne, I was looking at your IMDb. You were in Baltimore for an episode of Homicide Life on the Street. Yeah, shooting. Yes. If you could tell us a little bit about that experience and, of course, being back in this area for for that. Ah, well, um, shooting Homicide was great fun. Some of my friends work on the show, so it it was fun to explore Baltimore. Yeah. Went to some good restaurants. It's beautiful. Baltimore's beautiful on the water. Tourism. (laughs) And, um, And it was fun, of course, to see my friends. There and it's wonderful to be back now. Absolutely, again. yeah. Another iconic film that you're in was Weird Science. I remember talking to Kelly LeBrock and she said she'd be all about a reboot or a sequel. I think more of a sequel of Weird Science. How would you feel about a sequel of Weird Science? Oh my goodness. Um, well, that would be fun. That would be great fun. I mean, everybody on in the cast was wonderful, so it'd be fun to see everyone and. You know, John isn't here, so I don't know how well that would work. Yeah. John Hughes, John and, Hughes and Bill Paxton. That's true. So very true. 
Might be a little but difficult, right? Yeah. yeah. But it still would be fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> wow. Well, um, let's talk about latest projects. Um, Grant, I know you've shifted a lot behind the camera, producing, directing, and one of your greatest, um, you know, latest, greatest and latest is Willie's Wonderland right over here. Yep. Yep. There we go. So you're actually a um, uh, second unit director? I'm and the, also I'm the lead producer, lead producer, uh, second unit director. Okay. I have a song in the, uh, I have a song in the uh, end credits that I wrote and sang. Uh, I was kind of the jack of all trades on it. You know, it's uh, one of those movies that you got to roll up your sleeves and. Yeah. You know, jump in wherever you need to jump in. I did the aerial photography, everything. So it's been a while since you stepped in front of the camera, correct? Except that I, I stepped in and did a cameo playing, uh, right. playing the actual killer in, uh, in Willie's. So. Really? So how did you feel about getting back in front? Did it give you the bug again? You know, you never kind of really lose the bug. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, when I'm producing something and I jump in, um, you know... In a certain sense, it's a little bit more effortless because yeah. I'm kind of just, okay, give me my hat and I jump and do my thing. I don't yeah. think about it too much because I'm so busy with other things. And I think Willie's Wonderland was great. Going back to old school uh, effects, it was all about animatronic effects. Absolutely. So little to no CG in that film, correct? Very, very little. Um, mostly like what we call cleanup. Yeah. You know, removing, you know, wires and things like that and... Uh, you know, a few things that got missed, uh, you know, that we had to kind of, you know, invisibly replace. So hopefully when people see it, then they won't see any CG because the whole... And once again, the intent is to be practical and real and yeah. old school. Very, very cool. And another recent uh, film that you produced is The War with Grandpa, yeah. Robert De Niro, living legend. Yeah. Uh, tell us about that experience. Um, that movie was, you know fantastic amazing cast and you know basically I was excited to be making a movie I have a six year old that he could see so I had done an animation movie you know the year before called Arctic Justice with yeah. you know Jeremy Renner and a whole bunch of Heidi Klum and uh, Angelica Houston Alec Baldwin and you know so that was great that he got to see that and War with Grandpa so um, you know, his mom won't even let him watch Killer Clowns yet, let alone any of my more heavy-duty stuff or violent stuff. So um, it's nice to be able to make movies that are kind of feel good and that he can see. And he's got both posters up on his wall in his oh, bedroom, which amazing. is awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. You, you've got to be a fan of your own father, right? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's and in both movies, we took his whole kindergarten classes and preschool classes to the theater for yeah. field trips, and that was fun. And Awesome. Yeah. Let's hear the latest with you, Suzanne. What's the latest in film and TV? Oh, well, so um, I actually shot a film maybe 30 years ago called Retribution. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of a, a sci-fi thriller horror film. Mm-hmm. And um, it never was released, and it's being released right now. Wow. So that's kind of cool. And um, How cool. Where can we see this film? On uh, Video On Demand? I think it's video on demand right now. Nice. Yeah, and it's it's got a Blu-ray release right now. How cool! Yeah, it was like in the vault for thirty years, and, and then all the fans get to see it now. Yeah, I'm excited about that. It was supposed to be released, and then it lost its pr- production company, yeah. and it just became a mess. So, so it was it was it was shown at some film festival during you know the pandemic when sure. everyone was locked in and it did really well so so that's kind of exciting great any uh, anything new though um, on set lately 
I have not been on set lately. Okay, okay. I am a yoga instructor and a mom. Okay. And um, I'm really enjoying that. But maybe I'll get back to acting now that my youngest is in college. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So. And of course, um, maybe Killer Clowns from Outer Space, the reboot, yeah. the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> of course, she's more beautiful and better than ever, so the screen is like, you know, screaming for her. I know, right? We miss you on the big screen. So, well, there you go. They said it. Uh, they said it first here. Here on Below the Belt Show, we are at Monster Mania, guys. If you could let us know who you are, your characters from Killer Clowns or whatever, and you're on Below the Belt Show, that'd be awesome. Start with you. So my name is Suzanne Snyder, and I was Debbie in Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and Eva and Audrey in Seinfeld, and Deb in Weird Science, and. Oh, I was Brenda in um, Return of the Living Dead Part 2, and Lisa in The Night of the Living Creeps, Angel in Retribution. Coming That's out finally. Coming out finally. <laughs> That's a few of them, yeah. And you're on Below the Belt Show? And I'm on Below the Belt Show mm-hmm. as Suzanne Snyder. Yes. <laughs> and Grant? Uh, it's Grant Kramer, Mike Tobacco in Killer Clowns, Matter Space, Scotty Palmer in Hard Bodies. Jerry Robert Willis in uh, Willy's Wonderland and uh, many other movies. And it's awesome to be back on the Blow the Bell Show. Yes. yes. Thank you. And Suzanne, you got to talk to Larry David about uh, maybe appearing on uh, <laughs> Curb Your Enthusiasm. They always have that Seinfeld, t- Seinfeld ties on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Exactly. We need to see on that. Okay. <laughs> Larry, David, Larry David, if you're watching. Put her in an episode. I'm going to steal the shrimp out of your Chinese food and eat every one of them. Thank you so much, guys. That was amazing. Well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, Until next time, keep chilling. Like a villain. Bye, 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 bye,